Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. I'm Lee Gerstman, and I was banned from this podcast, and I'm not too happy about it. So, fuck these guys. Go to hell. So, here they are. Dr. Fuck and Wadzilla. Enjoy. I know I will, even if they did ban me. Fucking assholes. Schmackamagob! It's me, Dr. Fuck with... Oh yeah, the anti-alcoholian Wadley. Coming at you from New Orleans. Yes, sir. And I'm coming at you from Fire Island, yes. Hello. That's how I got my list. So, Ian, what's going on, bro? Do we have any of those wacky-ass iTunes reviews? Yes, we do. I can't wait uh, to hear it. Oh, my God. We have a review from Chill75. Chill75. Uh, yes, a five-star review. Fuck yeah. Entitled, Best Podcast Around. Yeah, I love that. We have... We have many, uh, we have many with that with that title, right, Ian? Uh, yes, and you're really gonna love this one too. I I, I have a hunkering that you're gonna love this one. Uh, I have a uh, feeling my ego's about to be fed. And Shield seventy five says, and I quote: "I discovered this podcast after becoming a fan of the Almost Human page, yeah. the biggest kiss." Uh, page on YouTube, by the way. Oh my God! Yes, uh, the biggest numbers. Yes, God. we're bigger than what you all think is the biggest kids podcast. Well, go look at their numbers on YouTube and look at mine. I surpassed them by thousands and millions of views. Thank you. Oh, yes. my ego is so glowing right now, like a pregnant bitch. And then he goes on to say, and I must say that it has invigorated my love for rock and metal music. These guys are true fans of the genre, and their passion is contagious to say the least. Plus, they are two seriously funny dudes who make two hours of podcasts fly by with their back-and-forth banner and music-related anecdotes. I can't name the amount of bands they've introduced me or, or introduced or reintroduced to me in the past six months. I've been listening to each episode, so thank you so much for reawakening the metalhead in me. And please keep up the great work. You guys rule. Let me tell you something about this guy. I mean, number one, that comment by itself is amazing. But you know, another, put to add extra awesome sauce on what he just wrote. You have no idea, Ian, how many people leave me comments on Almost Human going, Hey, man, why don't you review Dokken? Why don't you review Accept? Why don't you... I'm like, dude, I do it on my podcast. This motherfucker actually listened to me and came and listened to our podcast. So thank you, Chill75. Hell yeah, brother. Love this guy. I wish everybody else was like this guy and Almost Human. Because Almost Human, they're always asking me about, why don't you review other bands? I'm like, and every band they name, we've done. It's crazy. Right. It's crazy. Oh, my God. Yes, indeed. All right. So what else is up? Uh, I'm single. Are you going to bring this up? <laughs> are, are you well, too no, drunk? I, no, no, no. You didn't want to bring this up before. Now now you're really drunk. I don't know if you really want this on the show. Well, you 
no, no, wait, you know what? I thought about it. I thought about it because I told you privately, uh, you know. Not to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, I didn't want to bring it up, you know, because I, I, I do, I hate that shit when, uh, you know, when people post this shit on fucking Facebook, like, uh, uh, like some people get, you know, they don't like my political shit, like, oh, I hate when people put up all their personal shit, like, oh, keep that shit private. But then I was thinking, uh, you know, I, I got I got a message the other day from another listener. I've, we've gotten so many messages from uh, people that we've helped through tough times and bad times. Uh, through all kinds of shit, dude. Like fucking, you know, death and, you, you know, sickness and all this shit. And, uh, you know, shit happens. So I'm like, you know what? If the listeners can share their shit, you know, I can share my, like, shit even happens to us. And we're gods. You know? We're podcast gods. And uh, we're we're not immune. Yes. <laughs> and, and not immune to uh, strife. You know? And, and you have rough shit that happens in your life. I have rough shit that happens in my life. And, uh... So there you go. I'm fucking drunk as shit. And shit happens. And... Well, dude, I uh, plan on editing this tonight, so you sure you want me to keep this in? I don't give a fuck. I All don't right. give a fuck. Okay. You know what? Hey, maybe somebody out there listening is going through the same shit, and they'd be like, God damn. If, if, if Wadzilla can get cast aside, what am I so down about? You know? You didn't so. get cast aside. It's the other way around. You're just looking at the, the rolling rock half empty. Well, there's that. Yeah, exactly. You're drunk. You can't but, tell uh, it's half full. But, uh, well, <laughs> I have multiple beers in front of me. Mm-hmm. But if, if there's any single uh, female listeners, hell, at this point, you know, even Greg Barnes, if he promises not to break my heart, has a chance. <laughs> you won't feel no teeth with Greg. <laughs> oh, sounds like a winner already. Uh, yeah, so that's that's where I'm at. But uh, you want to talk about rock and roll news? Yeah, yeah, because I really don't want you to get too into it. Because uh, you might get uh, mad if I leave that in. All right. No, I ain't worried. Le- leave it in, man. Shit no, happens. No, no, I'm saying, I'm saying what you said now is fine. You didn't get too into it. Let me just right. say this. I said this to Wadzilla. So, I mean, Wadzilla is here saying, well, I'm going to say this so I can help people out. How the fuck are you helping out? You just said you're single. I'm going to help the fuckers out. This is what I told Wadzilla. In time, your your heart will mend. You'll be okay. And I say this to everybody that goes through a breakup. I say, remember that one person that broke your heart several years ago? Yeah. What do you think of them now? Fuck them. Well, that's how you're going to feel, Wadzilla. And that's how you're going to feel, Mr. I'm Broken Up or Mrs. I'm Broken Up. And you should call me, too. Uh, me and Ian could pig roast you. That'd be awesome. Come on, Ian, dude. Join the dark side. Let's get a pig roast going, man. Let's, you know, well, you know, you. Uh, I get the mouth, you get the butt. Okie dokie. All right, there you go. Hey, women, we're single and ready for the <laughs> double team. <laughs> DP, look baby. Out at, look out at Judas Priest, which, uh, you know, for those of you who don't know, uh, if you're not on the Facebook page, and why aren't you? Uh, Ralph bought me a Judas Priest ticket, so the week before my birthday, I would be celebrating in Miami with Ralph, and we have 14th row. Yeah, for Judas Priest, right on the aisle. Yes, yes, I'm going to be spending 
the weekend in Miami. And thank you very much, brother. Yeah, we're going to have a great time, dude. And by then, you'll be over this funk. So it'll be great. Yeah. I can't wait. Yeah, it's going to be well, a lot of fun. Godzilla's uh, coming down to Miami. We're going to go see the priest in a great venue at the Hard Rock Casino, which is a big, I mean, don't think it's a casino gig. Because it's actually, you know, it's like separate from the casino. It's kind of like a Disney World thing. There's comedy clubs, there's a little arena, there's the casino, you know, everything's separate. So it is a concert hall. And I saw that is where they filmed the Judas Priest Brutus Steel anniversary that was released on the Brutus Steel uh, 20th anniversary or whatever it was, 30th anniversary. That you can see on YouTube. Yes, we're going there. And that's exactly where I sat, Ian, for that show, except on the other side. And it was I a great, know, and, and, and I can't wait, dude. And I'm, I'm very lucky, not only to have you as a co-host, but to have you as a friend, dude. And I, I'm very much looking forward to that, man. That is a that is a bright light in my life right now. Hell you know, that's yeah, gonna dude. Be awesome. We're gonna have a fucking blast. And it is the first show of the that leg, so whatever rare tunes they're throwing out, we can't look it up online. We will be surprised. Oh, that is the first day of the tour? <clears throat> yes, so we can't check set lists oh, or anything. So, wow, so we're going to be wow. hit by like, you know, because they did mention they're going to throw out some more gems. And Oh, uh, like parental guidance? Oh, God. Thank God. That's, <laughs> thank, God uni- thank God the universe hates that song, that it won't be played. Oh. I may- swear. Maybe the- Dude, if they do it, you're, you're, you're walking back to New Orleans. You jinxed it. <laughs> Maybe to, to pacify my melancholy soul to play out in the cold. How awesome would that be? Well, out in the cold. Hey, uh, out in the cold is possible. I love that song. Yeah, me too. I'll take that one. Okie dokie then. Let's get into the news. The uh, news. Well, here, here's something a couple people have sent me. And I've been in, in, in such a funk this last week. I haven't even read this. And you know I'm bad off if I'm not reading about what David Lee Roth is saying. And I've had multiple people send me this link. He's done an interview. Apparently he's got a skincare line, which I could give a shit less about. I love David Lee Roth. He's my Lord and Savior, but I could give a shit less about. But uh, talking about hints of, uh, you know, the return of Van Halen. Yep. And uh, apparently he dropped in this article that the next time you're going to see his band... Uh, is going to be in Yankee Stadium. I didn't so read that this. Tells really? me Van Halen's playing Yankee Stadium? Well, this just this just came up like within the last couple minutes. Oh, on, uh, okay. All right. I, I didn't read it, but this, yeah, this is like refresh your fucking blabber mouth. Uh, you know, and, and he came short of staying it's at Yankee Stadium. He goes, look, there's certain shit I can't say, but you're going to see us where the Yankees play. Ooh. So, uh, uh, to me, says Yankee Stadium. So if they're playing Yankee Stadium, that tells me they are doing a big ass stadium tour. I might have to go to that. And uh, yeah, that's what I. Well, fuck the fucking Yankees. I hate the fucking Yankees. But oh, that's I mean, my fuck, favorite. That's I don't my know, favorite team. I just want to see fucking David Lee Roth. You know, I'm I'm so mad that I missed the last Van Halen tour. That's the only reunion tour I didn't see because it didn't come here for whatever fucking reason. But. uh that's what the world needs, man, is Van Halen. Oh, know. yeah. Yeah, you know, uh, I have to bring this up. It is, so, it is just so funny, dude. I had a fight with a with a ha- Hagtard. That's that's the new name for Hagar fans. Hag, ha- Hagtards. 
Sammy yeah. Hagtards. Dude, this was so hilarious because it was on, I think, the Classic Rock Facebook page or something. Uh, again, all these fucking Sammy fans always have to bring up number one. Oh, well, they went number one with... Van, uh, Dave never went number one. Uh, and then I said, well, number one, uh, Dave did go number one with Jump. So, And they're like, that's a single. What Sammy did was whole albums. And I go, yeah, well... Let's since you care so much about number one, let's talk about album sales. And you know, I've always had this argument where I own people with album uh, sales. This one guy, Ian, I'm not kidding you. He has to be the dumbest of all Sammy Hagar fans. He goes, "You are so stupid," this guy said. And you know what this idiot did? He actually put a link to the RIAA. Now, when you click the link. The first albums you see on top are Sammy Hagar albums. Then under that are David Lee Roth albums. But you have to click it. You have, on, under the, each album, there's a little link you have to click to actually see how much it sold. But this idiot was looking at it in the order it was there. <laughs> so I ended up clicking and I did the math. Dude, I didn't realize that Sammy Hagar, Van Hagar, didn't even sell half as much as Van Halen. You know, I thought maybe at least half. No, they weren't even half as much. No. So I put up the statistics, right? And you know what this fucking idiot goes? He goes, yeah, but what you don't understand is that all those David Lee Roth albums were sold to Sammy Hagar fans. So I mean, that's... What? You know, wait, 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 I'm not done. And then you know what he says? He goes, I can see you're a singer. Of course, he's like deflecting and, and changing the story. He goes, I can see you're a singer and I bet you didn't sell as much as Sammy. And I said, yeah. No, I didn't sell anywhere near as good as Sammy. But you know who I sold more records than? You! Where the fuck's your band? Hey, <laughs> what an ownage. And then, you know, we went back and forth. And then, by the way, while this is going on, like a million Roth army fuckers are there going, fuck yeah. Hey, they don't even know me. They're like, man, Ralph is owning you, dude. Shut the fuck up. Wow, Ralph, you're cool. And then, you know, I just went off on this guy. And then I was telling him, and by the way, uh, David Lee Ross sold more than Sammy Hagar solo, so I'm not going to bother to go through the RIA. but do me a favor. Find somebody that no knows how to do math so they can show you how David Lee Ross sold more. And it just went back. And then he just kept answering like, sorry, your band sucks. And I was like, can we get back to the subject? So then this guy just kept replying with, you know, your band sucks, your band sucks. He never even heard my band. Uh, but I guarantee if you ever heard my band, he'd think they suck. Because he's a Sammy <laughs> fan! <laughs> you know? Exactly. But anyway, exactly. so, uh, yeah. And then I just, you know, and the the fucked up part was every time he would reply, it was a bitch to get back on there. Because there was so many comments that I was like, oh, I can't do this no more. So I just said, you know what? My job's done here. I'm done owning you. Uh, wings, not rings, or something like that. And then I just saw a bunch of uh, likes for that one. And that was the end of that conversation. So, you know, that's what I wanted to say about the whole David Lee Roth thing. You know, that's it. That's all. Awesome. He is my Lord and Savior, and I cannot wait for his return. Yes. Uh, all right. Well, uh, it, you know, something we love to slam, uh, besides each other's mothers, hey. is the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh, God. And I saw now. This, yeah. Yeah, and now Death Leopard is going in. They won the fan vote. And <laughs> I love this. Phil Collins said that Brian 
McVay is the really obvious person to induct them. That's like saying David Lee Roth is the obvious person to induct the Bullet Boys into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Like, oh my God. Uh, you know, but but one thing I will say, as much as uh, you know, I hate the fucking Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and, and they fuck so much shit up, uh, one thing I will give respect, they are inducting Pete Willis. Yes, I saw that. Uh, well, that was even beforehand because Joe Elliott said he wanted Pete Willis there if they get inducted. Right, but there there has been multiple uh, bands who have said they've wanted other members, and uh, the Hall of Fame has said no. I mean, Kiss is a prime example. Yeah, but you know, Pete uh, Willis wrote Pyromania, dude. I mean, he was you know he's definitely you know I mean no no disrespect to Eric Carr, but he didn't really write much. You know? He deserves to be. Right, well, no, I, he deserves I, to be I, inducted. I, I agree. But I, I think it, it should be up to the bands. And like, here's the thing, like. A band I fucking love. Uh, Parliament, Funkadelic, you know, whatever you want to call them. Some people consider them one band, some people consider them two. Uh, there was 28 members introduced. But if you say, like, oh, they can't have this, you know, you're being racist or some shit, you know, because cause they're a black band. And, and trust me, this is coming from the liberal guy. But, you know, a rock band says... And this is the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Um, you know, it says they want a certain era. And if it's a band they really don't want in, uh, you know, they'll start shit with you like they did with, with oh my God, Kiss. Uh, so it, it's such bullshit. I mean, you know, and like, I'm with you, dude. It's like bands I love, I don't even want in there because it's such horse shit. And, you know, Rolling Stone has always shit all over fucking Death Leopard. The only reason they're in there, it's because it's the fan vote and because the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and Rolling Stone are struggling so much as it is. Uh, Good. But I, 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 uh, yeah, exactly. They deserve it. But uh, I, I am happy that, that Pete Willis is considered part of it. Uh, you know, one thing that sucked is uh, Joe Elliott, they said, well, will he perform with you? And Joellen said, "Well, I don't think we're going to play anything that old, which sucks, you know." And, and can Pete still play? I mean, I don't know. I mean, has that guy been playing? You know, it's probably Russell. Well, that I have, that I have no idea. But I'd much, I'd much more be interested in hearing them play High and Dry than hearing fucking Hysteria or Pour well, Some Sugar on. Yeah. But you know, that's what it's going to be. It's going to be fucking like Pour Some Sugar on Me and fucking. One of the singles off of Pyromania. You know, it'd be you know? cool. You know, it'd be cool. They do photograph where Pete Willis finally plays it. You know, he played yeah, it on the record, but he finally plays it live. That'd be cool. You that'd know? be hot, but you probably have more of a chance of hearing them play "Do You Want to Get Rocked" uh, than that shit happening. And that's a so. big hit. So you never know. You, you never know. You never. Uh, he doesn't do the solo in the song. All you got to do is that rhythm. That's not hard to learn. You know. You never know. But, uh, you know, as I start out the program, I, I'm talking about uh, strife in my life, you know, and, and my woe is me shit. Uh, some guy had to upstage me and have a worse week. And that is Pat O'Brien from fucking Cannibal Corpse. Jesus. Any update on that since we last talked? 
Uh, well, the latest update I've seen is now there is a GoFundMe page. Yeah, well, actually, there was a GoFundMe page the other day, and it was taken down from the family going, yo, what the fuck? Let us do it. So uh, well, they, ended one... up, they ended up giving all the money back, I understand. Well, this this is one that was launched by uh, Deanna Markowitz, who is uh, Cannibal Corpse drummer Paul Markowitz's wife. Uh, uh, saying like, "Hey, he's an he's an upstanding guy. He's a good dude." Uh, he is, man. I've met that guy several times. He could be nicer. That's why it's kind of shocking to me. Yeah, it's weird. And I I saw some videos online, and he seemed like an okay guy. What's yeah. it? Tom, Tommy the Cat is stopping by to say hi. Hey, Tommy. Who I might, who I might be losing, Tommy the cat. Oh man! So, so Tom, Tommy, say hi. Yeah, Tom, Tommy is mommy's cat. Yeah. So I might, I might be. Tommy, say something. God damn it! Okay, he's just walking. Away. Um, but uh, oh, there we go. There's little Tommy. Yeah, Tommy. Uh, <laughs> Tommy said he knew Pat's been fucked up for years. That's what you yeah. said, right? <laughs> uh. But yeah, this guy, man, so supposedly what happens, this guy breaks into these people's houses, all fucked up, knocks like uh, the lady of the house down on the ground, and runs out of the house, the cops show up, he's hiding like behind their fence, and the cops are trying to like, hey, get the fuck out here, he's disobeyed all their orders and then came at them with a fucking knife with a knife he came yeah. at the cops he's lucky to okay, be alive so, yeah let me tell you right now if that motherfucker was in living color he'd be fucking dead <laughs> you know, let a black man come at the cops with a knife to blow your fucking head off white privilege it does exist uh, no, I so don't know about that I mean, he's a long haired guy there we, we long hairs, you know, we suffer the same kind of bias. Yeah, but I'm telling you, dude, in Florida, that's how good it is to be white. You could be a long-haired white dude, come at the cops with a fucking knife, well, and they just man, take Well, I guess North Florida. <laughs> Down here, it's different. Down here, they'd kill me. <laughs> South Florida, well, they'll put a bullet Cuban. in my head. That's because you're Cuban. I don't look that's Cuban, cause... though. I don't look Cuban. I look like a long-haired gringo. <laughs> you know it, I know but, uh, it, holy bullshit here. But, uh, yeah, so so that craziness happened. But while this shit's all going on, firefighters are responding to a fire at his residence where apparently he's like a gun collector and all this shit, too, and he's got flamethrowers. Fucking bullets are going off. Flamethrowers are blowing up. Firefighters couldn't get couldn't even get like close to his fucking house in fear of their own lives because of all the ammunition and and flamethrower tanks and shit like that. And now it's coming out that the guy, you know, he was hallucinating. He's talking about the fucking rapture and all kinds of shit. Uh, I don't know what the fuck this guy was on, but it's not Rolling Rock, uh, <laughs> you know. He's on fucking... Uh, Another type of rock. Is this some basalt shit? You know, what the fuck? Is this some meth shit? You know, it's Florida. You know? And Tampa, Tampa, let me tell you something. Tampa is infamous for everybody being on drugs. I know this from personal experience. 
Everybody up there is fucked up on something. Well, you know, I think there's a I, listen- I think there is a listener we have that's in Tampa. Uh, he probably doesn't. I don't know. But, dude, he would know. If he doesn't do drugs, he can testify that a lot of motherfuckers in Tampa are high on something. Yeah, but, uh, you know, this shit's fucked up, man. What a crazy story. It is insane. And I still think that there's more to be told because the life sentence thing still doesn't make sense. Why are they giving the, threatening him with a life sentence? Because everything you've mentioned so far, yeah, maybe a decade or two in, the, in prison, but why the life sentence? What's going on? Was maybe some of those things illegal now? And even that wouldn't give you life. I don't know. There's something well, else going on. Well, if he really wants to be metal, he'll get the death sentence. Yeah, that'd be metal. metal. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't know, but this guy's fucking. He, he don't look too good in these fucking pictures. I feel bad for him because I've met him on several occasions. He's a really nice guy, so I, I don't want to cast judgment on the guy. I think, you know, how it looks, he was on some heavy drugs that he didn't know what he was doing. That's how it looks to me. Yeah. Well, fuck him. I got my own problems. Yeah. All right. Let's see. Next story. Uh, oh, shit. Here's something that actually uh, made me happy today. Uh, and, and I needed something. I needed like a fucking little pick me up. And it's a story we made fun of, and I'm I'm glad to see a happy ending. Uh, looks like Tommy Lee has reconciled with his son Brandon. Well, that's nice. Did you did you see this, Ralph? No, no, I was out all day. Yeah, uh, yeah. So apparently, him and his son has made nice, and there's a picture of him and his son hugging. Uh, and he put up on Instagram, "I love you, son." And uh, I, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, the whole story was fucking funny. You know, it was hilarious. You know, because it's fucking Tommy Lee. He's a fucking oh, cartoon. And it's going to be funny again. That shit's not going to last. Yeah. yeah but Tommy uh, Lee can't stay with anybody. Yeah. But I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's because I'm fucking, you know, I got my period. And I'm sensitive right now. Should I play uh, some you know, uh, should I play some Chinese democracy under this? No, you should play some Brandon under this. <laughs> no, no, I'm not. <laughs> but, uh... But as, as a father, dude, I, I mean, it was a disturbing story, man. I mean, it, as much as there's shit to laugh at, man, that's a it's a father and a son. And uh, I, I hope they have reconciled. I hope it works out. And uh, I'm happy for both of them. Yeah, I hope it lasts, you know. That's all I hope for. You know, because, yeah. uh, you know, Tommy Lee, you know, he doesn't get along with anybody. You know? Right. After a while, right. you know, he always has fallen out with everybody. Right, but you know that that's that's his son, you know. So we'll see. there you go. Here's one, and I haven't even pulled up on it yet, but I know uh, I, I I know you're familiar with this. Did you hear about this new uh, super group featuring uh, Geezer Butler? Yeah, I heard one song so far, and I didn't like it at all. I was yeah. very disappointed. I was like, oh, this is Geezer, man. Fuck. Yeah. Do GZR again. Well, what, what did you think of his GZR song? I, I liked it. Well, I liked it way more than that. I mean, I wasn't the biggest fan, but it was heavy. It was cool. 
I dug them both. I mean, I wasn't like, you know, wow. There's three of them. Oh, okay. I only heard two. Plastic Planet okay. and the one that followed it. Uh, yeah, I Black like, Sign. I, yeah, I have both of them. I liked it. I, I mean, you know, it was good. It was really good. It was, uh, you know, not something I play often, but I dug it. But this I did not dig at all. But it's only one song. It's Steve Stevens, who I love. And then Matt Yeah. I, I didn't know you liked Steve Stevens. Oh, I, I, thought you I, I love his thing and Exposed, man. Uh, and uh, Atomic you, Playboys I like, too. So no, you I don't like, like Billy Idol. What the fuck did he do in Billy Idol? I don't get it. Did he shred in Billy Idol? Did he do anything? Fuck, I don't. Uh, I never heard a, a guitar solo that shredded on a Billy Idol track. Yeah, but he was a songer. I mean, he, you know... They wrote the songs. I mean, I think they were playing to the 80s, but, I mean, he was the song. I'm a big Billy Idol fan, though, so I, I yeah, like that shit. that's your timeline. Right, but I, I, I don't know this exposed shit. I don't know. I have Atomic Playboys. I've never listened to it. I dug, I dug uh, that, too. Singer of Warriors on there. But, uh... uh yeah, that, that song was, you know, and then you got Matt Sorm, you know, which does nothing for me. Pretty, like, like the minute I see Matt Sorm, I almost want to, like, okay, just no, no, no. You know, that's like, you know, Gilby Clark's fucking dream theater. Like, no. <laughs> you, know. <laughs> you know. Gilby Clark's well, theater, theater. That's wild. That's some wild yeah, but, stuff. <laughs> Bobby, well, Doll's, know, Bobby Doll's porcupine tree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's it. Exactly. You hit the Nikki, fucking nail. Nikki Six Fish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good shit right there. Uh, Brett Michaels fucking Dave Matthews band. <laughs> Brett Michaels and Dave Matthews hook up. It's the, it's the new fucking Simon and Garfunkel. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, that oh, song sucked. Uh, who knows? Maybe the rest will be better, but I don't know. It sounds like a bunch of crap to me. Yeah, the singer. I mean, the singer sings good, but I don't like his voice. Kind of like uh, there's certain singers that sing good, but I can't stand their voice, and he's one of them. Right. No, like that, I, I, that guy. No, that guy it, that plays with Slash. He's got a great voice, but I can't stand it. Oh no, I agree. I agree a hundred percent. It's just too middle of the road. You know what I mean? It has no. Uh, personality, no flavor to it. Yeah, no personality, man. You know, it's not good enough to be just like good at your trade. You have to have something. To me, it's like a fucking ace friendly Tommy Thayer. Like Tommy Thayer is a good guitar player. He can play ace, but he can't be ace. He can't yeah. write ace. He can just copy it. And he then plays, that's what he these plays, guys. He plays ace too perfect. You can't play ace perfect. You got to be sloppy when you play right. ace. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, I hope the, the rest of the album uh, is better, but I don't have high hopes. Hey, but I'm going to be a third-day downloader. I'll tell you that much. Uh, and here's something that broke my heart. God damn it. Uh, Slayer announced another round of their ongoing farewell tour. Uh, but once again, skip New Orleans. But they are playing... The infamous Coral Sky Amphitheater in Fort Lauderdale on my fucking 45th birthday. But uh, I can be able to make that because I'm going to see Judas Priest with you on the 3rd. Right. So, 
You know, yeah, what are you gonna... I'm going to that. And you know, they played Orlando, and I and I knew it, dude. I said they'll be back. I know they're going to be back because this is going to be a long ass tour. And bam. And then there's some people. My friends are like, "Fuck, man! I went all the way to Orlando thinking it was the last time. Now they're coming again." And a lot of my friends are like, "Fuck that! I'm not going. Fuck that! They're pissed." And I'm like, "I'm going." <laughs> yeah. And it, who is that? Who's all playing? I think it's well. It's supposed to be Cannibal Corpse, Lamb of God, and. Uh, that fucking horrible um, our, our man, our Martha, or whatever the fuck their name is. Uh, Amount of Marth, I love live, but I can't listen to their records. But they're uh, awesome I don't know. live. I've never seen them live, but they're, but they're a I've good heard. live band. But uh, yeah, I agree. I don't listen to their albums. I don't think it sucks. It's just I just think they're a, li- a cool live band. You know, I did yeah. them live. I've seen them many times. They're they're a cool live band, but. Yeah, I have a Monomarth versus the world. I don't think it's horrible, but I just don't. It just doesn't grab me as their live performances are. Fucking Vikings. I've, I've never seen Cannibal, but I would like to see oh, Cannibal. God, man. I I don't know, man. Other than Cheap Trick, that may be the band I've seen the most. Oh yeah, you like them live? Cannibal is very hit and miss. Actually, sometimes they will blow your mind, and sometimes they're like, eh. But you know, uh. Alec Webster is a beast. I love watching that guy play live. And George Corpsefinder, I rolls that head around. Uh, but yeah. when they're good, they're fucking insanely good. And then, I don't know, maybe it's because of a burnout factor. Because when I saw him on the 70 Tons of Metal, I was kind of like, oh, you know, they didn't really impress me. And then another time I saw him in the culture, room, I was like, ah, whatever, you know. But then there were times I saw him after that. I was like, holy fuck, they delivered tonight, you know. They're hit and miss with me. Okay, I got news of uh, uh, Lee Kerslake um, is uh, terminally ill. He's only got about eight months to live. Uh, uh, he's, he's, he's been terminally for a few years. And they've given damn. him like three years or something. Now they're giving him like eight months. And uh, he wants uh, Sharon to give him his dying wish to give him the platinum albums of Blizzard of Oz and Diary of a Madman. Oh, that's it. fucking sad. Yeah, so hopefully he'll get it. But you know, this is what this is how I look at it. Look, Sharon's a cunt. She might not give it to him. So any of you motherfuckers that own that platinum album, you should give it to him. You know, I, I'm sure there's other people in the industry, people at Jet Records or something. You know, call you know, let's call out to them for them to give him it. Because Sharon's a bitch. And and you know what? Sharon will probably be like, you know what? If I give him that, then it might hurt me in court in the future with his estate or something, you know? You never know the way that bitch thinks. But, uh, but you know, I mean, then again, maybe she will. Maybe she How, will. That, 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 that's just a fucking heartbreaker, man. I mean, I mean, not only... Hey, the guy's a great drummer, and, and, and you know, before fucking Ozzy, dude, he made his bones in fucking Uriah Heap, which I'm so happy you and me are going to see open up for Judas Priest. Right. Uh, I, I mean, even though it's, it's a bastardized version. Well, it's only one uh, original member. Right. It's, it's Nick, Nick Box, Box is the only guy. Yeah. Right, right. But, uh, I mean, you got to understand, you know, from my dad's love for Uriah Heep, it's going to mean a lot to me just to hear those songs. And it's weird because uh, the very first time I saw Judas Priest on the Screaming for Vengeance tour, it was with Uriah Heep. Yeah, yeah, that, that's awesome, man. That's talking about shit coming around again. And, and to me... What a prime example. I know we're getting off fucking mark here, but what a prime example of the shit that I always bitch about Metallica not doing. 
Uh, as much as I'm glad Metallica's putting out a good records again, you know, I've loved the last two. Uh, you know, but they keep taking out these trendy motherfuckers, man. Take out the motherfuckers that inspired you, you know. Uh, Metallica always, oh, we love Merciful Fate. Take out Merciful Fate then, motherfucker. Don't take out Days of the New, you know. Don't take out Limp Biscuit. you know. You know, you're already going to sell some fucking tickets. You know, take out somebody you fucking, you know, admire, somebody you respect. And I love that Judas Priest is doing that, man. That just shows you how Priest is. But I mean, yeah, get they've back. been doing it this whole tour. We've had Saxon, uh, yeah. UFO, uh, I mean, uh, not UFO, uh, Deep Purple. Deep Purple, yeah. Oh, right here, yeah. But uh, to get back to Lee Kerslick, man, that's, uh, man, I, I, I mean, he's drummed on two of the most iconic metal records ever with Blizzard and Diary. I mean, just that alone. Not counting what he did with, with Uriah Heep. But, uh, it, it's, it's sad, man. It, it's sad. We're, we're getting old, man. We're getting old, and, and the musicians we love are are even older. And, uh, man, for this guy to have a dying wish to get that fucking respect that him and Bob Daisley keep getting fucking denied. I mean, say what you want about fucking Bob Daisley. But there's no, there's no denying. You cannot deny. Those are the two who played on those albums. Not fucking uh, Tommy Aldridge and Rudy Sarzo. You know, it's those guys. Fucking Daisley wrote the fucking lyrics. You know, give them some fucking respect. It was originally a band called Blizzard of Oz. And, you know, you know, you know just give, give, give the man some respect. And goddamn, as a dying wish. And how I'll say, I mean, I mean, you think about it, you look back on your life. That this is what he's asking for. Fucking yeah. give it to him. Yeah, you know, I agree. Fucking give it to him. Well, you know? you know, I mean, we'll see. I mean, this this story is so fresh. We'll see what happens in a month. You know, in a month we'll see. You know, maybe he hasn't gotten to her right. yet. You know, she's too busy right, getting but, plastic surgery now. Who knows? Right, but you know what I mean? I, I want to see this shit settled while he's still fucking alive. So do I, man. Not like, so does everybody, not like, you know? Oh, oh this, this shit happens. He dies on fucking Tuesday. And, and then, to make a good uh, publicity thing, oh, here it is on his grave. No, give the man something while he's alive. Give the man some fucking respect for what he did. He played on two albums that changed fucking metal, you know? God damn. Yeah. You know? And if she does it, then you know this will, this will, this this story's gonna haunt her. I'm telling you this right now. Yeah, you, you know who it should haunt too is fucking Ozzy. Grow Ozzy's some fucking balls, motherfucker. Yeah, but grow some fucking balls. Stop being a fucking bitch. You're fucking Ozzy Osbourne. You're the Prince of Darkness. You're the God Godfather of Metal. Take fucking charge. You know. Yeah, do like what fucking... you did in '89 when you almost killed her. Yeah, but you know what you know what I mean. Like, fuck it, you're gonna die soon anyway. And I, I don't mean that in a bad way, but you know what I mean. You're at the end of your life. Take some fucking charge back. You know, you're fucking what seventy years old. How often do you fuck her anyway? Fucking do something, man. Fucking take charge and say, you know what? These guys helped me get where I'm at today. And and Sharon did as well. I'll never take that away. Ozzy never would have got as far as he did without Sharon. But you know what? It's all about the music. And those guys did the music, so fucking Ozzy. Fucking step up to the right. You already fucked the hairdresser. Fucking make her fucking do this shit. God did damn you, it. Did you, hear the story, did you hear the story how he admitted to Sharon how he fucked the hairdresser? It's funny. Well, yeah, he accidentally sent a tweet 
you know, to the wrong person, right? No, no, no. She drugged him. <laughs> oh. She drugged him and he admitted it over, I don't know, maybe it's that, that truth serum, whatever it's called. Sodium pentothal, whatever the fuck. Yeah. It's called Rolling Rock. <laughs> That's oh, true. Wow. When you drink a lot of that, your true feelings come out. Yeah, that, I tell I always tell the truth, even when I lie. Yeah. Like when you but, got ashamed uh, of me with the memory remains, that was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I, I you know, was ashamed. You know, you know, I really respect you, dude. But goddamn, you said classic as fuck. <laughs> Everybody, go back and listen to Reload. Ian goes yeah. nuts on me. Yeah, you're right about that. Sometimes shit breaks your heart, man. Yeah. Sometimes shit breaks your heart. You well, can't. Yeah, you know, parental guidance. Don't do a shit. Don't do anything to me. I don't know what's wrong with you, bro. I guess well, it's the Rolling Rock. Maybe if I drink it, I'll get upset with you about parental guidance. Boy, when you say it like that, it sure makes a lot of sense. Though. <laughs> yeah. I can't argue. I'm like, hey, I'm winning this thing, and then you bring up parental guidance. Like, ah, shit, it's a dead tie. <laughs> yep. Hey, man, look, I can admit, you know, I like stuff that is universally shitty to everybody. I, I, I'm sorry. I just oh, dude, that's, can't help how I feel. I was I was driving to work today, and parental guidance came on, on, on my phone, and I skipped it. <laughs> you know, I started laughing. Yeah, but, you know, parental guidance is your, your time frame. What's my excuse? Yeah, you got a point there. <laughs> but like, like I, I give you, I give you a, like a little bit of pass with shit like Kansas and Ario. Yeah, Speed- who I'm seeing Saturday by the right. way. Right, and, and like Ario Speedwagon. I was like, love them. You know what? There's shit that you know because of you know timeline. Not, yeah, and I admit that if it wasn't for timeline, I probably wouldn't love them like I do. But it's like, god damn it, it's it, it's something like when you hear that, it takes you back. And, 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 you know, to a simpler time, to a happy time and shit. So, yeah, I forgive that shit. But, yeah, now that you mentioned again, you have no excuse for that timeline because you were a goddamn grown-up. I was like 60 already. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. Hey, who am I to fucking judge, dude? I'm so fucked up. As soon as this shit's done, I'm going to listen to Fleetwood Mac and cry like a bitch. Oh, God. yeah, I know, right? Mm. Fucking rumors. Yeah, it is, here's an. Uh, remember, uh, write it down because you're too drunk now. Uh, Deep Purple Machine Head. Do not listen to this episode when you're over it. Yeah. I, I, and, and I thank God we didn't have this podcast back when fucking the Guns N' Roses chick destroyed me. <laughs> I'd be embarrassed, bro. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, me too. Me too. Okay, I can only imagine what albums we'd be reviewing. Yeah, exactly. It wouldn't have been. I, I would have hated Chinese or democracy. Oh what is this bullshit? Oh my god! I, I was sitting here before we started recording the news tonight, and, and I I am just fucking like getting drunk and like fucking like borderline crying, listening to like the worst shit ever. And of course, I, I'm, I'm listening to Elton John. Sorry, seems to be the saddest word. I'm like, yeah. Why did he play that? I'm like, ah. Uh, you got to play oh. Ride On from ACDC, the perfect song for right now. That uh, is the best heart-healing song you'll ever hear. Ride On, man. Is it? Well, I'm going to give it a try because I'm feeling like fucking shit. Well, ride On is like when a woman gets me down, but oh, I got no, no, to no. ride on. I got to keep going. 
I know the fucking song, but I, I mean, I, I'll take no, your I'm advice. No, I'm just saying. I'm just saying those lyrics. It's like, look, I'm heartbroken over this chick, but I gotta keep going. I gotta keep yeah. moving forward. That's the attitude you gotta have, bro. And let me tell you, Bon Scott has helped me. And then also, kicked in the teeth would really help too. Kicked in but, the uh, teeth. Listen to those lyrics of kicked in the teeth. And as I said to you, and I'll say to anybody going through heartache. Time heals it. I know it sucks, but every time I go through what he is going through now, I'm like, God, man, this sucks. Hurry up, time. At least I have that in my mind. Like, time will make this go away. That that helps me to realize that time will heal this and how I'm feeling now, I will not feel in the future. And you need to install uh, that in your brain, Ian. Yeah, well, I know. And I remember uh, there was an article uh, that was actually pretty good. I read a long time ago. And they were talking about, like, a time ratio. Uh, it was like breaking down, like for how long you've been together, how long it takes to get over, you know, kind of thing. And, uh, you know, I, I, I was with, uh, the woman I love for nine years, you know, that's, that's a long time. You right. know, that's, I've, I've had, I've had two relationships last nine years. You know, I, I think that's <laughs> like, people can only put up with me for nine years. Uh, we've been doing this. Mine's less. <laughs> we, we've been doing this podcast for four, so we we got and we, five and, we years. and we broke up a few times. Yeah, so we got five years for you to get your requests in before yeah. Ralph starts, uh, you know, seeing other podcast co-hosts. That's already happening. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> yeah, but 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 we don't we don't press record when that happens. The thrill is gone. Uh, but yeah, man. Uh. You, know, you hear I, me, Mark Allen Taylor? Nah. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> but no, nah, it's just one of those things, man. I'm fucking, you know, I'm fucking hurting, and I know it happens to you guys. And just, it happens to everybody, dude. Yeah, you know, and uh, just You're let you know. Me. Yeah, you know, we're all fucking, shit fucking happens, man. And, and I think about how much shit we've shared on this show. Uh you know, about our personal lives. And Ralph and I have shared a lot of shit, you know, and uh, at first I told Ralph, I was like, man, I this shit's personal. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to joke about it. I don't want to do this, you know, and, uh, but now I look back now and that's kind of disservice, man, because this show is all about honesty in every sense of the word. And we've always been honest with you guys and, uh, you know, shit happens. I'm going through a bad time. I'll uh, I'll come out on the other end, but it's gonna oh, take yeah. fucking time, you know. And when you do come out on the other end, I can't wait to goof on you about this. Yeah. But not now. I I gotta show sympathy. Uh, I don't want you to slit your throat. Yeah. <laughs> but no, that, that, that's 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 that, that's I'm I'm far too vain. Uh, I would never ever uh kill myself. I'm far too vain. <laughs> you know, I'm on the best podcast on the fucking planet. I'm not going to kill myself. What's that mean? Your veins too far to slash? Yeah, yes. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not suicidal. I've never been suicidal. But uh, but it doesn't mean I don't feel shit. And it doesn't mean I don't hurt. And uh, you know, you'll be okay, dude. I know. I know. But uh, again, I thought it was important to share you know this is why we are the best podcast well what other what other podcasts are going to talk about this shit you know like when their old lady doesn't love them anymore <laughs> like they have old ladies <laughs> okay you got me there <laughs> oh you fucking losers 
I'm just kidding. Uh, I love you all, and uh, and we I, and everybody and I and including me love you, Ian, and you'll be okay. And uh, uh, you know you can talk to me anytime you want about it. And uh, I'm an expert in this shit, dude. I really am. I know I know how to conquer it. I mean, I don't know how to conquer it, but I know how to make you realize that you know it's it's gonna be okay. Yeah. You know, because what oh. you were saying, I've had two relationships that were nine years. Well, what is the first one that lasted nine years mean to you now? What does she mean to you now? Thank you. Oh, I still have a voodoo now. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It doesn't still, matter. She still she haunts my dreams. She don't uh, matter. So you're, you'll you be right. making another one. Yeah, <laughs> another yeah I, I know. Another, everybody has hard shit happen to them. And let, let that be a lesson. To any listeners, man, there's uh the lesson here is stop dating and having girlfriends and married. Stop. Yeah. Fuck buddies. That's all you need. God, why you know, I'm I'm giddily happy, you know? Because I have this and I have a new one, by the way. I haven't talked about it yet. Yeah. Uh, well, I never talk about my fuck buddies, <laughs> but I I have a new one. I, I actually have a new one. No, I mean that's that's awesome. But everybody I'm never lonely, dude. And that's another thing. It's like well, you don't you ever feel lonely? Because I'm saying I've had that question many times. Like, how can I feel lonely when I'm like with a chick in bed and on Christmas or on my birthday or on special days I have company and it's like and you know we may may not be boyfriend girlfriend or have the tag, but I have a lot of deep emotional love for these girls, girls, all of them. I, I love them all. I have a lot of uh, affection and and vice versa. And we get along great, and then, but the problem is, you know, and it's really hard to find. But there are girls out there that that are on my page. That look, you've got one, got one life, and I'm tired of, you know, the the the, the other one I was seeing was thrown down a flight of stairs and beat up by her boyfriend. Of course, she doesn't want to get into shit like that anymore. So she's happy to see me, and she sees other people too, and it's beautiful. We we. We are uh, kind of like, you know, um, what are you, temporary soulmates, you know, and then they leave inside. It's no different than having a girlfriend. It really isn't, except you don't have that baggage. They leave. You don't have problems. You don't fight over rent or who did the dishes or who fucking left the toilet up, you know, the toilet seat up. We have none of those problems because they leave, you right. know? Well, you know, and, and like my girl, uh, my girl said, I, I, you know, and I, I think part of the problem uh, was like this show and like me doing the radio show and how involved I get into that shit. And she's like, ah, oh, you don't do this anymore. You don't do that. And she goes, you don't have any friends, you know, you have these Internet people, you know, but uh, these Internet people are my friends, you know, yeah. and, you know. I don't get to see you personally that whole much lot, but I talk to you every week. I still consider you my friend. I still, you know, love you as a brother and, and, and listeners that I talk to every week. Uh, you know, you guys are still my family and, and you're my friend and you're real. You're not imaginary. You're real. Exactly. And, uh, and, and that's why I share this shit, man. And, and this is, this is my passion. This is what I do. And knowing that what, you know, you and I do makes other people happy. Uh, you know that means something. Yeah, don't don't let whatever her saying that 
It's like, dude, that's right. bullshit. She shouldn't be saying shit like that, dude. Right. No, but but I I, I mean, you know, there, there's people here that I talk to and I message to. I mean, you guys, you guys mean something to me. When I get those letters saying, you know, like, hey, you helped me through sickness, you helped me through death, you helped me through this, you know, that, you know, that ain't fake. That's real, you know, and uh, that's why I wanted to share this shit. You know, I'm I'm human too, and shit happens. But uh, enough about that. Let's talk about Deep Purple. All right, good idea. Let's go into Deep Purple Machine Head. Hey, now it's time to review the 1971? 72. Uh, 72. God damn it. Oh, another strike. Uh, Machine <laughs> Head from Deep Purple. Hell yeah, Machine Head. Yeah. This uh, one is for William J. Ortiz. Good pick, William. Uh, yeah, it's a fucking classic, you gotta say. I mean, this is an album that, uh, man, it defies classic hard rock, you know? Yeah. But, oh, you yeah. Know, some metal in it, too, you know? And Deep Purple, you know, they, they, they dabble in metal. And this album has some metal. And, well, I, uh, I think they're one of the founding fathers. I mean, to me, the, the true founding fathers of metal in the early 70s, I, to me, the big three is Sabbath, Zeppelin, and Purple. Yeah, I gotta agree. Definitely. You're right. Well, thank you. Well, anyway, yeah, it's a great fucking album, bro. <laughs> Hell uh, yeah, it is. Yeah, it's one of those albums, you know, when you're a, you know, you're a kid at my age, it was like, it was a must. The two How old were you in 1972, uh, might I ask? 1972, I was seven. I was born in 65. Okay. Okay. So I was seven years old. But, you know, I mean, I didn't hear it then. Uh, oh, really? Oh, no, man. At 72, I wasn't into anything but American Pie by Don McLean. <laughs> it, it well, I, didn't, I, I, didn't, I didn't know Manny was into it or not. Uh, how, much, how much older is Manny than you? Five years older than me. And oh, I re- shit. Yeah, I recall he had Paranoid. Well, I'm so horrible with years, but I, I would say 73. And Paranoid is a 1970 album, right? I believe it is. Ah, yes. look at you without Wikipedia. You don't have an answer, do you, motherfucker? I was smoking. Yes, 1970. All right, yeah. So, uh, you know, it was around 73. In 73, I mean, even though I didn't get into music till like 76, I was buying 45s. I bought uh, Killer Queen from Queen. I bought Benny and the Big. Jets. I bought Sweet uh, w- w- Little Willie. You know, I would go to the record store and buy Little 45s. <laughs> little Willie. You ever heard that song? Oh, yeah. Little Willie little won't. Willie won't. A go home, but you can't push <laughs> Willie round. Willie won't go. I'm telling everybody, but whoa, no. I love that song, dude. You fag, you don't like it. You, <laughs> hey, you... I, I can't judge nobody, dude. My first album was fucking Village People. And plus, go you don't West. like that song because it's not called Big Willie. Because you like the yeah. big veiny cocks. Yeah, I'm a size queen. Yeah, you don't like Little Willie. <laughs> like me. I don't yeah. super love him. Yeah, because you know, when I suck little willies, I'm like, look, I can deep throw. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, so uh, the Essential albums when I was a kid, it was, I mean, Essential Deep Purple albums when I was a kid, was this one and Made in Japan. Those were the two you had to have from all the grown-up friends I had. You know, those are the two. It wasn't until much later I, I discovered in rock. And I was like, dude, this is better than Machine Head. What, what, what's these grown-ups talking about? Why are they fucking denying me this greatness? But as much as I love Fireball, this one is definitely an upgrade, I think. 
Uh, it's more Mark. Fireball was kind of like a a hodgepodge album, you know. Yeah, I, I still love it, but yeah, I love I... it too. I love it too. But uh, I thought this one was more focused and more, you know, it was just more direct, you know. And it's it's a classic <laughs> for a reason. Yeah, you know? I was just laughing because my first Deep Purple album was House of the Blue Light. <laughs> oh my god, that was terrible. Yeah, yeah. There's a couple songs I really love on it, but looking back, it's like, it's I ran out and bought that album because I saw the Bad Reputation video. I was like, oh, fuck, yeah. yeah. Then I got the album. I was like, oh, fuck, no. That fucking album's terrible. <laughs> but anyway, but this uh, album fucking rules. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I think I'll, I'll still stand by. I know it's cliche. Uh, and, and there is a definite burnout factor with this album. Spoiler alert, I still think it's their best album. Okay. Uh, I, 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 believe me, I knew, and this is a rare occasion where I I knew this album before in rock. And in rock got me, you know? You know, right. rock, in rock, I was like, whoa, this is their best fucking album, you know? And, uh, but, you know, I knew this one way before it. And I knew Made in Japan before this one, you know? I just thought in rock was like a historic fucking amazing album but this one's cool not too crazy about the album cover though i'll be honest with you. really yeah, uh, I, was... I don't know i don't like it man a little too dis- i don't know it's, you know it's hard on the eyes you know it's like what the fuck man you know you guys are taking rubber soul a little too serious a little too far <laughs> you know <clears throat> it's just too i don't know they're they're a reflection on a piece of steel and you can't really make who out who's who it's like you know oh. back then uh, Richie wasn't wearing a pilgrim hat, so I don't know who he was then. You know? Yeah, yeah, the the hats on Roger Glover. <laughs> there you go. So, um, but fuck, dude. I mean, what can you say? And this is the album that, if you ever go see Deep Purple, they'll play more off this album than any album they have. You know, right? Because it has so many staples. But uh, I don't recall when I bought it, but I did. I did get this in the seventies. I guess it was my during my time of just buying. I don't remember mowing a lawn for this album, though. I don't recall that. I remember mowing lawns for Made in Japan. I don't know how I acquired this, but I know I got it before In Rock. In Rock, I discovered in the 80s, way after the fact. Uh, I did have... It wasn't Deepest Purple. There was another Greatest Hits Deep Purple ad that was the inside of a spaceship. You ever seen that Yeah, one? yeah, that is... Uh, oh, fuck. The very I, I, best of Deep Purple, maybe? No, it's it's got a funny name. Uh, let's see compilations. I did. I did. Have yeah, that. I know what it is. When we rock, we rock, and when we roll, we roll. Well, there you go. I don't even remember that. Damn. Yeah. And I don't yeah, even that, know what happened to that vinyl. I used to have it though. That's the spaceship one. That was released in '78. Yeah, and I got that when it was new. I do remember getting that. That I do remember getting. Uh, you know, because you know, and, and the same thing go, applies today because most bands, their biggest album is their greatest hits. And, uh, and you know, that's how I was as a kid. Oh, I'm going to get the greatest hits so I can know what their good songs are. You yeah. know? I used to do that when I was younger, too. Yeah. And, and now now I'm, like, anti-greatest hits. Yeah, I, I stay away from it. You know, but now we know. We look at the track list and right. like, they're not new on this. You know, right. I wish I knew that before I bought We Sold Our Souls for Rock and Roll. Well, I got into more, as I got older, I was more into album rock. And I appreciated songs that weren't singles. But when you're a kid, you want to hear something you know. You know, something you heard on the radio and sing right. along. I, I think when you're a kid, you're like a chick, you know, uh, as far as music goes. Most women I know don't want to learn anything new. They want to know the song. They already know the words, too. 
They want the song they hear on the radio. You know, where guys, when you, when you become a man and you really get into shit, you're more about the deep tracks than you are the fucking shit everybody knows. You know, because everybody wants to be that cool guy. Like, yeah, only the cool motherfuckers know this song. And a lot of times it's the better songs, too. You know? Or you're just not as burned out on them. Right. Well, the thing is that uh, this was a great... I mean, it's still a great album. Yeah, I guess it does have a burnout factor. Yeah, it's not the one I pull out of my record collection to listen to, which I did for this review. I haven't done it for a long time. When I go reach for something... I, I even reach for the Rod Rod Evans stuff now and then. I love Book oh. of Talis. I love that album. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's, that's some great shit, man. Uh, that You know, that took me a longer you know longer to get into that era you know just because of my musical taste but now i love that shit and you know my go-to uh um you know we always talk about you know when we talk about sabbath we talk about how never say die isn't necessarily our favorite but it's the one we play the most yeah and the deep purple album i play the most is come taste the band i i love i love the shit out of that that's a great album I've got, I've got it on vinyl. I really want to get the uh, the remaster of it that has two different versions. It has the original mix remastered, and then it has a new mix by Kevin Shirley, who nine times out of ten, I can't stand his production. But he did a real, you know, uh, you Maiden Tards know. He does all the current, you know, Maiden albums. Um, but he did a really good uh, mix on that, and they have it on vinyl where you can get it where it comes with both nice. uh, the original one remastered and the Kevin Shirley mix. And I, I really want to pick that up on 180 because I'm a huge fan of that and a huge fan of Tommy Bolin. You ever seen Phoenix is Rising? Yes, great documentary, amazing documentary, amazing. Yeah. That whole guy, the die that died in the elevator. Shop. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's some wild shit, man. But yeah. Uh, but we're talking about Mach 2 here, brah. Yeah, Mach uh, 2, brah. <laughs> the, the, the most popular, and in my opinion, my favorite, too. Because, you know, I'm a, I'm a poser. Uh, yeah. And, you know, this is the one I discovered. I discovered them with this and Made in Japan. and But, you know, I just can't recall when I bought this. So, can you? Uh, yes. I can remember when I bought it. Uh, I, at first hearing it, I heard it through, you know, my dad's record collection. Of course, I knew a lot of them from the radio, but I remember listening to it on, uh, you know, my, my dad's vinyl. But Deep Purple was a band that took me a while to get along, uh, in, uh, to get into, because I immediately gravitated towards Led Zeppelin, of course, immediately towards Black Sabbath. Uh, but Deep Purple were always, like, my least favorite of the big three, even though I loved them. I look at it much like when it comes to the 60s music. It's it, to me the big three are the Beatles, the Stones, and the Who, and it was the same way. The Who were always my least favorite, even though I loved the Who, but it was nowhere near the love I had for the Stones and the Beatles. And it, it's the same way with these guys. So I was a little bit late to the the Deep Purple uh, club, and, and maybe it it has to do with my first one being House of Blue Light, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and, and loving the two singles and the rest of it. I was like. Uh, you know, kind of made me, uh, you know, put them on the back burner. Uh, after uh, House of Blue Light, the next one I bought was 
uh, Storm, believe it or not, because Metal Blade did a re-release of it in 1990. And I bought that while I was on vacation in L.A. in 1990. And I loved that album. But I was slow going back to the classic era. And I remember I bought this when it was re-released. I bought the 25th anniversary, so whatever year that came out. Is, is when I finally bought my own copy of Machine Head. And I bought that and uh, uh, the live one uh, made in Japan at the same time. And I remember the made in Japan, I was really like, what the fuck? This shit's too long. Oh, my like, God. I think that's beyond classic. Oh, now I love it. But right now, I'm much more into jam bands and yeah. longer improvisations and shit. You know, it's like, uh, you know, I got into... Uh, you know, not only like the Grateful Dead, but stuff like the Almond Brothers and stuff like that, to where I can appreciate like a 28-minute version and not get bored. Which, when I was younger, I had a much shorter attention span. Right now, now I can sit back and appreciate, you know, these, you know, these fucking two-hour versions of uh, Child in Time. You know, when yeah. I I didn't have time for that. When you know, I, I grew up listening to three-minute cock rock songs and like, ah, oh, get on with it already. Now I love it, of course. Um, uh, but, uh, you, you know, I bought it probably in the late nineties, uh, uh, machine head and, and, and made in Japan and, and, and then dug deeper. Now I'm a much bigger deep purple fan. And, uh, but this one still had that burnout factor just from hearing, you know, classic rock radio. And I, I've, I've said it a million times, but working in construction, when you have classic rock radio, on uh, all day long at work, man. It, some shit's almost intolerable. Like I did go ten years without playing Led Zeppelin because of classic rock radio. You know, I never put on a CD because I heard it every day. And it's the same with a lot of songs on this album. Uh, you know, the, the the three big ones, I'll say. But there was one, and I'll talk about it when we get to the song. I, I had a revelation about a year ago, like. I totally forgot how awesome this song was because I took it for granted because I was burned out. But uh, th there's a certain song that was played on a TV show. Ash and Evil Dead. Yep. <laughs> yep. I, I already remember that story you said. Oh, did I? I already told you? Oh. Yeah, yeah, well, you said it on, on one of our shows. Oh, did I? Oh, yeah, dude. It, it totally fucking woke me up like, God damn, I forgot how great this song really is. But uh, let's get into this motherfucker. And Ralph, why don't you take the first song, the classic Highway Star. Man, you want to talk about like the perfect opener. And a perfect opener for a live show too, which uh, Perfect Strangers opened with this. The last time I saw him with uh, Judas Priest, they opened with this. Dude, this song, it, it, it's like the ultimate right, you know, speeding down the fucking I-95 song. It, I, I can't think of a better song. To fucking uh, drive your car real fast to. Uh, how many times have I sped down 95? You write about that. Yeah, man. This song is perfect for it. It's like a, an engine. And uh, everybody. I mean, you, fucking Ian Gillen screaming his ass off. But man, when fucking Richie takes that solo. Yeah, the John Lord solo is awesome. But that solo that Richie does on this shit, dude. Oh my god. Then he goes. That's why, dude, this guy is like definitely in my top five of greatest guitar players. Not only because he's so 
amazing, you know, you know, you can call him a shredder, but he's got the that emotion to his playing where I don't think anybody has that except for Gary Moore, maybe. Gary Moore and Richie Blackmore are the two that are that can shred but 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 really tug at your heartstrings at the same time. I and, agree. And oh man, it's just a highlight, you know, the definitely highlight of Blackmore shows you man, it's so amazing how underrated that man is today. He wasn't underrated when I was a kid. But now it's like, when you talk about the greats, you don't hear Blackmore mentioned much. And I guess you got to blame it on his Pilgrim music, you know? Yeah, yeah, that, that that's his own fault, you know? He's he's known now for being a fucking prick. Yeah, like a you, minstrel, you know? You know? But, yeah. But what a, what an influential guitar player he was, you know? Oh, yeah, and that documentary, what was that? That was a really good documentary. Uh, which uh, one? Uh, the, the Richie Blackmore one. I think oh, we yeah, about yeah, it. I have that on Blu-ray. Yeah, that was that was a really good one. I, I love I re- it because he talks, you know? Richie Blackmore is not much of a talker when I was growing up. He actually right. never talked. And this fucking documentary, he's in the whole thing. And he's funny. He's yeah. really funny and entertaining, and I love the story of... Yeah, he still kind of comes off like a prick to me, oh, but no, yeah. he's still a prick, but... Yeah. No, he says, he says, he goes, I like to be intimidated so people don't come up to me. You know, you know, it's like, but, uh, you know, and, you know, he wanted to hire people to beat Ian Gillen's ass because he knew Ian Gillen could kiss it, kick his ass. Yeah. I just love those stories he had, you know, and, uh, right. but, and, and I find him extremely, you know, entertaining and, I, and, and I'm I, sorry, uh, you know, I, I'm not one to sell out, but goddamn, bro, that fucking girl he's got, yeah, I'll be playing that Pilgrim music too. And I, I think it's sad now because you can tell in recent interviews, he really wants back yep. in deep purple. Uh, but they ain't having it. Oh, no, dude. This, they're like, fuck this guy. This guy did some fucking Van Damage, uh, you know, to all those relationships where they're like, no, dude. They would much rather, you know, and, and you got you to gotta admit, Steve Morris is amazing. Oh, he's great. Steve Morris is an incredible guitar player. He's not Richie Blackmore. No. But he, he is great. He is great at what he does. He honors, you know, because I've never, I've never seen Deep Purple live, uh, but I've, I've heard live albums with Steve Morris, and I, I've heard the studio albums with Steve Morris. He honors the legacy, does his own thing, uh, you know, but he's still, he's not Richie Blackmore. And and he play, and he's very faithful to Richie Blackmore solos live. Yeah, oh, I yeah. like Richie Blackmore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Richie exactly. Blackmore doesn't really stick to the solo. So Highway Star, he does. Uh, I mean, in certain parts he goes off the handles, right. but the real intricate parts he sticks to that. You know, yeah, it, it's it's almost like Tommy Thayer. He, he you know, Tommy Thayer does Ace better than Ace, yeah. but he he can't write the shit that Ace wrote. And 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 he's too, he's too. And and I hate to use this word for Tommy Thayer, but in Ace's case, I'm gonna have to. He plays Ace's solos too perfect. Yeah, you know what I loved about Ace and Classic Kiss is the. The sloppiness it's more organic and right. little, you know risky and dangerous where it's rock and roll you know what i mean and, right, and you but gotta it, remember ace and peter were fucked up on drugs that's rock and roll dude <laughs> you know these guys are just too perfect and they're too in the pocket and and they're told what to play you know eric singer is a way better drummer than what he shows on with Kiss. Oh yeah, you know oh. he he dumbs it down because they're making him, you know, because Paul's voice too, you know they have to slow it down and all this shit. But 
but they're too perfect. It's not Kiss to me. Kiss was sloppy and dangerous. That's what I loved right. about him, you know? Uh, I, I was laughing the other day. I was reading this article, uh, an interview with uh, Ken, Kenneth, his, no, it's Kevin Stars, for the, the main dude from Uncle Acid and the Deadbeats. And they were asking about one of the songs on, on the new album, Wastelands. And they're like, oh, you were definitely influenced by this. And I forget who they, they name-checked. But he goes, no. He goes, that's total kiss. He goes, that was me doing Ace Fraley. <laughs> I was like, that's awesome. Because yeah. it is like a really loose, it's an awesome solo, but it's real loose and not technical, but it had amazing feel to it. You know, I, I'm talking about the Uncle Asin song. And when he said that, I was like, oh, I totally see that. Yeah, that is Ace Fraley. Even though it didn't sound like a Kiss song, but I mean, if you just dissect the the solo, like, oh yeah, it, it, he is doing Ace. So there you go, Kiss fans. Yeah, yeah, there's there's a fucking Kiss nerd. But shit. Blackmore too, you know, as technically proficient and perfect he is, he was very dangerous live because oh, he yeah. he wasn't he wasn't thinking out the solos. When he would play a solo live, it was just whatever the fuck he was feeling at that moment. Because if you study Blackmore's playing on Deep Purple live albums, like I have Scandinavia, uh, Made in Europe, and all that shit, they're all different. Like, you know, he doesn't play the same solo twice. Right. It's, it's all, you know, spontaneous, how he feels at that moment. And I love that about it. And he always comes out at the end with an awesome solo, even if it's all fucking jumbled and different, you know? Right. The, guy, the guy's just legendary. And, you know, like I said, definitely my top five. Uh, but what do you think of uh, Highway Star? Oh, I mean, you you nailed it. Yes, it is the perfect opener. It is the perfect driving song. Uh, I love that they wrote this on the tour bus while they were driving down, you know, the highway. And it makes sense because it has that feel. Uh, the great guitar, the great organ by fucking John Lord, which, man, I, I love John Lord so much because he did he played organ. He wasn't a keyboard guy. You know, none of this shit sounds like fucking uh, Europe or Bon Jovi, you know, or any shit like that. It sounds like an organ. It reminds me of Ray Manzarek from The Doors. Shit like that early Rick Wakeman. Uh, and I love that shit. I, I love that shit in music. I love piano. Man, I'll tell you what, I wish I could play piano. Because that shit is, you can get some great sounds on a true piano. Or a true organ sounds so much better than a fucking keyboard. Sounds so plastic and fucking soulless. But uh, but th this shit, man, you, you know, you've got to have a real knack for this. And, and it can really add a lot to the music. And John Lord added so much. There's no Deep Purple without John Lord. You know, and I love Don Airy. You know, yes, he's capable, does a great job. But I think Steve Morris does a better job at replacing Richie Blackmore than Don Airy does re uh, replacing John Lord. You know, I, I think he's really irreplaceable. You know, one uh, thing I'll never forget, when I saw the Perfect Strangers tour, I was pretty close to the stage. And yeah. they opened with Machine uh, Highway Star. When yeah. John Lord went into that solo, I, I mean, dude, John Lord to me is the greatest uh, yeah. uh, organist, whatever the fuck you want to call him. Right. He didn't play the keyboard like anybody else. He would thrash that fucking keyboard. He oh, would yeah. move it back and forth. And, dude, that guy was, like, vicious. And oh, it he, was he used, to have it, he used to have it on springs where he could move that yeah. 
And, yeah. and, and his and his and the sounds he would get on there was just as heavy as a guitar. Yeah. And you could oh, hear yeah. it loud and clear on Highway Star. Yeah. Oh hell yeah. Uh, this was the second single from the album, and uh, yeah, just just fucking amazing. What can you say? But uh, we'll go into the next song, which is Maybe I'm a Leo. Holy fuck, do I love this goddamn song. Uh, this could be, this is like in a three-way tie. <laughs> One of my favorite song on the album. Uh, to me, this is a funky masterpiece. Uh, amazing Manzarek-like keys from John Lord. Uh, kind of reminds me of the Doors song Peace Frog off of Morrison Hotel with, you know, with the funkiness. And the neat thing about this one is there's no chorus, just yeah. three verses. And uh, Roger Glover said he wrote the riff to this after hearing John Lennon's How Do You Sleep, another fucking song I love. Uh, but he said he liked the idea that the riff didn't start on the on the downbeat like 99% of riffs do. And uh, th- this, uh, this one was done like from a first take. And I, I love this one. You know, Ian Gillen always has some weird-ass lyrics. He was a Leo and just kind of wrote the song about that. But the, the funkiness of that... It's, man, I love it. And where Blackmore goes on this song is the perfect, like, balance. It's so different from what the rest of the band's doing that it just... I don't know, completes it, because they're on one page, he's on another, and the way it comes together is absolute fucking perfection. Definitely, uh, I think a standout track doesn't suffer from burnout factor, because I've never, ever heard this on the radio, only when I personally play Machine Head, and uh, I love this one. What do you think? It's the perfect second track, and it really helps a lot with the album's flow. And, uh, yeah, it's great because it slows it down a bit with this really cool fucking uh, funky riff and uh, perfect vibe. I love Gillen's voice on this song. You know, the way... I, there's something about Gillen's voice I really fucking love, especially old-time Gillen, you know, uh, where he just keeps that mid-tempo voice and it's so soulful. You know, people talk about Coverdale, who's awesome, but I don't think I don't think he holds a candle to Ian Gillen. And this song really does... Uh, you know, uh, bring that home to me. Uh, I just love, yeah, like you were saying, you, you took away everything I wanted to say as far as the band goes. You know, I mean, everybody is like on point. And I love Roger Glover because everybody is such a, you know, technician and great and look how great I play. Where he's more of a, let's let's play for the song and let everybody else show off. And I think that's what helps Deep Purple a lot. And, and makes them different than, like, let's say, a Dream Theater or a Yes. Like, everybody's trying to show off and show how good they are. Where him, and, and to a lesser extent, because Ian Pace does go off at times. But as a rhythm section, it gives that, you know, the, the, the benefit of Lord and, and fucking Blackmore and, and fucking Ian hitting those high-ass notes and still make it a fucking song. And this is a great example of that. Because everybody in this band is like playing on point, but then when they go off a little bit here and there, there's Roger holding it down, you know. And I love that about Roger Glover, you know. He's definitely the unsung, you know, guy on this band. 
But right. um, wh- what a great, great song. Yeah, I love this song. Uh, but, you know, spoiler, I love every song in this album. <laughs> All right, well, why, why don't you pick the next one? Well, that uh, the next one's my favorite song. Uh, what? Picture, Pictures of Home? <laughs> oh, really? Is that the wow. next one? Yes. Oh, my God. Oh, fuck yeah, dude. This, to me, is the best song on the album. This is like the whole band, like, again, what I was saying before, but it's different because, like, I, what I was saying about Roger Glover, the whole band is doing it in this song while showing off. It still keeps it a song, and it doesn't, you know, it's, it's yeah, they're, they're doing this great musicianship, everybody in this fucking band, and the vibe, the, the way that Ian holds those notes, pictures, oh, Dude, come on. This is the best song on the album, bro. Okay. All right. That's what I think. I love it. I love Pictures of Home. Fucking amazing. What do you think? Uh, All right. Well, I will say it's my least favorite song on the album, and it still fucking rules. So that tells you how awesome this album is. Um, I, I, I do like this song. If I had to pick a least favorite, it would be this. But God damn, does Lord shine on this. Glover's bass shines on it. And of course, fucking Richie shines on this. But what's odd is uh, after it was done, Blackmore hated this song and refused to play it live. Yeah, I, I did I did find it weird it wasn't on Made in Japan. Yeah, no, he refused to play it. It wasn't played until they got uh, Steve Morris in 94 that this was ever played live. Uh, but, you know, Richie has come out and said he doesn't like a lot of shit that he's done. Uh, but, yeah, he absolutely refused to play this. So it's odd that this was never played with the classic lineup. You know, the Mach, the Mach 2. Uh, lyrics were inspired by Ian Gillen being ho- uh, homesick while they were recording this. You know, we'll get to that later. But th- this was recorded in Montrose, Switzerland. Uh and he was just looking out, you know, at the beautiful landscape of where they were. But he, he was missing England. And that's where he came from lyrically. Richie Blackmore said he was inspired by shortwave radio that they were listening to. That was either from Bulgaria or Turkey when they were writing this shit. Uh, but, uh, again, uh, it's, it, it's a great song. You definitely like it more than me. But, uh, you know, spoiler alert here, too. Yeah, I don't think there's a bad song on the fucking album. All right. Well, I'll take the next one, which uh, seems odd to me, but was the first single off the album. Never before. Uh, A catchy, upbeat rocker about, you know, being heartbroken. And uh, I, I love it. This one was rarely performed live. Uh, only live recording of it appears on Deep Purple in Concert, uh, which was released about a week or so before the release of this album. Uh, but they did perform it again on the 2004 tour when they did the album in its entirety. Uh, I, I like it, uh, but I feel, of course, it's a it's a poor choice for a first single. Uh, the guitar riff from Peter Frampton's Do You Feel Like I Do has a strong resemblance to this. Uh, not saying he necessarily ripped this off, but, uh, I mean, it's got a lot of common. Uh, 
there was a promo video made for this too. Uh, that was a like a single version, like an edited down version that cut about thirty seconds off the song. Uh, but that was the single anyway, with you know. But uh, yeah, it, it's a great one though. I love it. This one had the B side uh, that's been on uh, you know every other version of this. When a blind man cries, which should have been on the album. And uh, I don't, I don't know if I would agree with that. I, I, I like, fucking love that song. Man. I like that song. You know who loves that shit is fucking Metallica. Oh, they, they do play, a terrible version of it. Yeah, and they play it all the fucking time. But uh, but you know Lars is a, a huge Deep Purple fan. Probably the biggest Deep Purple, you know, out of like musicians that are out there. Probably the biggest. Deep Purple fan. Uh, that was the first concert that he saw. His dad took him to see him, and there Fireball was tour. Yeah, and uh, he's always sung the praises. I, I know Eddie Trunk. Oh my God, uh, has talked at nauseum about how much you, you know. Lars will come up and say, "Oh man, I've got this uh, version of Ch- uh, Child in Time," you know, and this and that. I mean, he's like really into the band. I think that's awesome. Uh, but it's one of those things that had a huge impact on him, even though, of course, Metallica sounds nothing like Deep Purple. But it just had that lasting impact and made him want to be a musician and shit. So that's awesome. Uh, but yeah, I, I dig this one, but I don't think it's the first single. What do you think? Oh, I agree with you 100%. And I think it's probably the record company made the choice on that one. Uh, I did see the video. Uh, it's on, you know, because I, I used to collect, you know, I was a bootlegger back in the day. and I had a Deep Purple compilation that brought the video, and the video is actually footage of uh, them live not singing this song. It's co- just a compilation of live footage to this song where, you know, you don't even see, like, you know, the guy whoever made this video attempt to make it sync up, you know. Um, but I find it to be a very good melodic tune. Uh, it's very commercial, most commercial song on this album. It's catchy, and I think it's really great. I... I know it's a single, but to me, it sounds so much like an album track, you know? And, right, no, and, and if I was to pick a filler on this album, I'd say it's this one, you know? But it's a great filler, killer filler, you know? Great melodic singing and, and really well-structured. And to me, it does say single in a way, you know? I mean, well, I, I wouldn't say it's the poppiest song. Either. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, for, uh, you know, radio play back then, right. this would be a logical choice, you know? Not the best, you know, and and it's my least favorite song on the album. I love it, right. but uh, it, it it does a little bit stick out too. It doesn't really match the other songs. Uh, musically, it does a little bit, but the vocal melody and the delivery is very commercial. But I dig it. I really do dig this song. And this is uh, not the last track, right? On side one. Yes, last track. Oh, on it the- is. Okay, so side two opens with uh, "Smoke on the Water." Yeah, that song. Yeah. Oof. Why don't you flip this bad boy over? And yeah. Go yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, talk about burnout factor. <laughs> you know, uh, it's a great song. I like it more than you know. But you want to talk about man? And I'm not one to like. You know, there's two songs in the history of rock that if it comes on the radio, it's like those two songs I love but I can't listen to anymore. It's this one and Black Dog. Those two <laughs> songs, I just I can't listen to Black Dog anymore or Smoke on the Water. It's just I don't know. It's a great song, but it's one of those songs that I'm totally burnt out on, you know. And uh, but it's great. It's got a lot of history. 
you know, it's written about a Frank Zappa show, and and uh, they even talk about, you know, how they recorded the album on the mobile, uh, outside the, the that place they were recording in um, right. Montreux, Montreux, right? Yes. France, was it? Montreux. 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 Switzerland. Switzerland, yeah, that's right. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, I, I don't know if it was Ian Gillen or Roger Glover saw, like, the... You know the smoke uh, going down on the on the water, the, the yeah, right. bay or something. Yeah, the ocean. Roger Glover. Yeah, yeah, Roger Glover. They saw that, you know, and that's what inspired the song. Where a lot of people thought it was, you know, like uh, a bomb, a song about smoking weed out of a bomb. <laughs> uh, but it's uh, and you know it's cool. It's auto autobiographical uh, about the whole fire and everything. And and I love the story where uh, Frank Zappa says, "I don't mean to alarm anybody, but." Fire! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, uh, but uh, yeah, it's a classic. It's great. But I'll tell you one thing, dude. One thing I don't get burnt out on when it comes to smoke on the water. Solo. No. Ah. Uh, the Made in Japan version. The way it ends in the Made in Japan, where uh, Lord and 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 Blackmore duel it out. That fucking is the best part of Smoke on the Water for me. But it's not on the studio version. I just love, and, and the way it ends, like, dun, 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 you know, where, you know, this one, uh, fuck, correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't really listen to the song. It fades out, right? Yeah. Yeah, where that one, you know, I just love the the way it ends on Made in I'm Japan. A, I'm going to listen to that as soon as we're done. I, you, I mean, listen to the how, it, how Smoke on the Water ends. It's like, dude, like, Lord does a solo, then Richie does a solo. They're just going at it, like, back and forth, and it's so awesome. And so, as, uh, what is the word? Uh, at- atmospheric, you know? Uh, and, you know, you got to remember, this shit's in Japan where everybody's quiet, you know? So you right. can hear, like, that hall noise, that echoey effect, you know? It's fucking yeah. amazing. So I if, have... if, if people didn't know that, when shows in Japan, uh, you know, it's a different culture. They're, they're really, and I think even by the security, they're not allowed to go crazy. No, they're not. They, they have people that are beat you with a stick if you get up out of your seat. Back then. Yeah. You, you just kind of sit there and like, yeah. you, you know, that, that's all you can do. Yeah, and even like when the song ends, there's like maybe two, three seconds of, of silence going, should we clap now? Yeah, right, <laughs> it's, right. It, it's wild, but it, it sets a killer mood. That's why that album is so fucking classic. It has a lot to do with the audience because it sounds like a studio album, but with the, like I said, that echoey effect of the hall. Right, where, and, you know, and, and that says nothing about the, you know, the, the fandom of the Japanese people because you know they're very passionate about music. Oh, yeah. Japanese yeah, people love music, but it's just the way the society is, you know, especially back then. Well, they, no, I, it's more, it's more the way they are at a concert hall because. Once they leave the concert hall, they're running around with dolls and signs and going nuts, right. you know? Yeah, it's but, just a cultural thing and then the way their society is. Yeah. Yep. But it's but. awesome. It's an awesome song, but to me, man, the live version is one I will, if that comes on on the radio, which used to when I was a kid, right. I'll sit and listen to that live version. Because made in, made in Japan, that's way superior to uh, this version here. You know, it's kind of like I want you to want me on... Budokan versus fucking in color. Oh, me, good you know? yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, not that bad, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> right. Uh, well, Matt, you know, my, my notes are simply what can be said. Uh, 
you know, it's smoke on the fucking water. And, yeah, I do have a, a burnout factor to this song, but not as bad as yours. Because uh, there's just something that gets me every time. I mean, that riff, I mean, it, it's, you know, it's right there with the, you know, beginning of Stairway, shit you don't play in a record store. I mean, in a music store when you grab a guitar. But, I mean, it's the riff that launched millions of guitar players. Mm -hmm. And it's so, in its simplicity, you know, Richie Blackmore even, you know, he's he's mad that he's known for this. He's like, oh, out of all the other technical awesome shit I did, you know, this is what I'm known for. But it's so effective. And I, I remember, you know, when I first started playing guitar, you know, learn how to play it, you know, just the riff, mind you, <laughs> and not, not the fucking solo. Uh, but it, it just never sounded right. And I was like, what the fuck? And then I found out years later, to get a sound, you got to you know, you know, the two strings at the same time. It's not a picking song. It's a plucking, you know, uh, song. And But that fucking solo always went, it's like... You know, it's like when it gets real high, it's like, oh my god, do I fucking love that? And you know, and and the whole history to this, you know, for those, if there's anybody who doesn't know, and we do have, you know, a young audience, thanks to our sophomore humor, um, they went to Switzerland to record this album at at this big hotel, and it was just about ready to close down. Uh, the last concert was Frank Zappa. And that it was going to close down for the season. And Deep Purple was going to perform there. Well, in the middle of the Frank Zappa concert, dude shoots off a flare gun and just starts the place on fucking fire. And that's all she wrote. And, uh, they, you know, when he says a funky Claude was running in now, that was the owner. Uh, his name was Claude something or other. Uh, but he was actually, like, getting people out of the venue. You know, he didn't give a fuck about his place. He was trying to save lives, and that's very admirable for a rich guy who owns the fucking place. He was all about saving people's lives. And, you know, this is before this day and age where lawsuits, he just seemed like an honest, good person. Uh, but, yeah, you know, they go there to, you know, get ready. Okay, when Zappa's done, this place is ours, and we're going to record. And uh, that all went to shit. Then they started, because they couldn't record there, they went to, I believe it was a church, or like a small club, and they started recording in there, and neighbors were complaining, because it was in kind of a residential area, and they shut that shit down, because like, oh, you can't record here, uh, you were getting too many complaints, so then they had to go uh, to, I believe it was a hotel or some shit like that. <clears throat> And this shit was in, in the middle of winter. They're recording this. And much of this was recorded on the first or second take because the, the unit they were recording, Rolling Stone's mobile recording studio, uh, you know, basically like a fucking tractor trailer. All the, all the shit's in there. But they had to run these cables all the way through the hotel and they had all this shit. Like they set up all these beds to muffle the sound and all this shit. Like, they had to go through hell to even get back outside to hear the playback. So they're just like, after a couple times of doing that, they're like, fuck that, we're doing this in one or, one or two takes. And I think that speaks to how good they were 
and the spontaneity of that. Like, okay, we got to knock this out now. Because I don't want to run all the way outside and go through all this fucking bullshit just to hear, you know, what we just did. So let's knock this out the first time. And uh, holy fuck, did it pay off in spades. Uh, it, it is. It's an all-time fucking classic. And Now, this is the one, mind you, I will say... I've listened to this album probably about nine times getting ready for this review. Because we were going to record it like a month ago when something came up and we couldn't record that night. And I just wanted to keep it fresh, you know. I always love listening to the album right before we record it so everything's fresh, you know, in my pickled brain from all the rolling rock. Uh, but it's one of those things like I want to skip it, but the times I'm too lazy to hit the skip button. When it comes to that solo, I'm just like, God damn, is this shit good. Uh, it's a classic, and a classic for a reason. God damn, do I love it. This one was the third single, believe it or not. The most legendary song off the album. The most legendary song in their career. And this was the third and final single off the album. But uh, then we go into the next song, which I gotta say... Uh, this is in my three-way tie for my favorite song, and nine times out of ten, it wins as my favorite song, and that is Lazy. Oh! Oh my god, do I love this. Pacey, fucking John Lord and Richie own this fucking song. And not to take anything away from Roger Glover, Ian Gillen, but between the three of those, and this would be, you know, if you saw them live at this area era uh this was where the ian pace drum solo came in and yeah i, I mean I, I don't know what no, wasn't worked. it the mule that was the mule was it the mule yeah yeah it's the mule i thought he had wonder and lazy too i don't know that pickle brain of yours i know that pickle brain of mine maybe later yeah i don't know maybe i, I i'm too lazy to go look well, I know, dude. Made in Japan. The drum solo is during the mule. Is it during the mule? Yeah. Okay, then I'm totally wrong on that. Never mind. Never mind. Fake news. Fake news. Uh, fuck it. It's still my favorite track. I love Lazy. Fucking amazing. What do you think, Ralph? Oh, hell yeah. Uh, just a couple months ago, I saw him play it. Um, yeah, dude, the riff. <laughs> This song is equivalent to Arthur Fonzarelli, bro. It's just too cool. <laughs> it's such a cool song. It's got such this cool groove. It's like, I don't know, man. It's like, you know, this song is a pimp, you know? This song uh, this song is like the only, um, the only time in the history of the universe that a song actually had three ways. <laughs> it's that cool. And, uh, yeah, dude, what can I say? And I, I do love the way Ian sings this. You know, lazy. Lazy. <laughs> it just he's so chill. Oh, you know, and then he does that little screams and yeah, the jam part. You know, it's a jam song. This is a jam oh, band yeah. song. Oh you know? fuck yeah! Definitely a jam band song. This and, and uh, Pictures of Home would, would be the two jam band songs on this album. And uh, wow, I mean, yeah, I just love every single note. I love the flow. It's just a real cool, heavy, chilling tune. And yeah, I absolutely love this song. And I don't think I've ever seen Deep Purple not play it. Nice. Uh, and when I saw Rainbow, how many, time, how many times have you seen them? Uh, well, I only saw them once with Blackmore with 
ooh, Steve Morris, I'd probably say five times. Oh, right. Or maybe even more. I was at, there's one show that was at Sunrise, Florida that's out on DVD. Uh, was filmed. And oh, it, yeah, I saw you in that. No, I was I was in the balcony for that one. Yeah, you're the good-looking guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I was a guy that you looked at and you go, boy, that guy looks like the song Lazy. What a pimp! And uh, yeah, uh, great fucking song. I, I I absolutely love it. Are we going ready into space trucking? Well, let's do it. Take it. I'll tell you one thing that's dated about this song: the fucking lyrics. <laughs> Listen to the groovy people. <laughs> I can't remember all the other lyrics, but there's a lot of like. Yeah, on... yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that part. Uh, but uh, I, 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 you know, I, when you listen to the lyrics, you think of that guy, that that cartoon, keep on trucking. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's so <laughs> 70s. These fucking lyrics, you know. Oh yeah, the great, the great crumb. Yeah, that it's, was, that was... it's just like you, you picture like you know these are guys. You know the lyrics sound like Ian Gillen was. Hanging out with a bunch of friends, smoking weed, talking about being on a spaceship. Uh, he's he's always had horrible lyrics, but I love him. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. But um, no, I thought Highway Star was awesome though. Nobody's gonna take my car. I just love that attitude he has in that song. Right. But um, yeah. It's what, what can you say? It's fucking. It's heavy, heavy on the organ. Um, definitely a great way to to end the album. But for me, this song. The star of this song is Ian Pace. Ian Pace, like, does such an amazing job. When I just saw Ian Pace uh, a month or two ago, my God, that guy hasn't lost anything. So the, good. The so he, good. Yeah, the way he drums now is like he, the way he drummed in the 70s. He is... And they played when they played Space Trucking, dude, it was mesmerizing seeing him do it. Because he really... I mean, he, they didn't, he didn't stray. He didn't stray from the studio recording. And the motherfucker he, just had a heart attack. <laughs> yep, and he still kicks fucking ass, man. Talk about, man. Yeah, what a great song. Great great ending to this fucking album. I absolutely love Space Truck. What do you think? Oh, yeah. I mean, and uh, shit, two of the Ians I'm named after are in this fucking band. Uh, and, and, and so fucking honored. Uh, holy shit. Uh... This song is amazing. It did have a bit of a burnout factor for me, I gotta admit. Uh, and I kind of, you know, just... I, I loved it, but I didn't super love it anymore. Not you know? super duper? Not super duper. <laughs> uh, you know, just kind of, I took it for granted. I took it for granted. And as Ralph alluded to before, I guess I mentioned it, I was watching Ash vs. the Evil Dead. And... This song closes out the very first episode. And I don't know what it was. I mean, because I love that fucking show. You know, sadly it got canceled. But, uh, you know, I'm just watching this episode like, oh, man, Bruce Campbell. You know, it's got the whole Evil Dead vibe. And there, there was a great music played out throughout the whole series. But, I mean, even in the first episode, some great shit played. But it ends with this. And it just sounded so fucking good. It's like, I've been taking this song for granted, you know? And I think you can do that with a lot of songs in this album. You've heard it so many times, you almost forget how genius and perfect rock and roll it is. And, and this is one of them. And, and the, the fucking, the Gillen screams on this 
are incredible. You know, as much as I love Child in Time, uh, to me, this could be his best screams ever. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, oh, God, I love that shit. Come on. Oh, God, it just fucking rules. And everybody, you know, this is a band where there was no slouches. Everybody carried their own. And they did their own thing without stepping on somebody else. You know? And without, and without ruining a song. Yeah, yeah. Like, they stayed you know, on course. Yeah, you know, and it was just like the, the, the best parts. This is a fine-tuned machine firing on all cylinders. And they're all important. They all add something, man. There's no, there, there's no slouches here, you know? Uh, God damn, what a way to end it. You know, and, and you gotta think about it. There's only seven songs on this fucking album. And and look how legendary they all are. They're all... And that's why I gotta say it's their best album. Not saying it's necessarily my favorite, but overall, I mean, you, you put song for song... It, it, what, what album has better songs going song for song? What... what well, you know, and I'll even, I'll even say, you know, I think in rock's... A, is my favorite album, but you know, and, and and don't get me wrong, there's not one bad song on there, but it doesn't have the hook factor. Like, yeah. you know, Live and Wreck doesn't have that hook factor. Like, you know, every song on this album, this album is just full of hooks. Every song is hook. That it is an album that the masses can cling to. You know what I mean? Yeah, but 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 I, I think it goes deeper than that. I don't think it's just because it caters to the masses. I think just just the collection of songs. This is. This is a greatest hits album, all in one fucking album. Well, I'm just saying it's easier to digest, right? No, you know, I, for, for the for the regular listener. I, I, I get you there. I get you there. Uh, I just think it's incredible. Uh, I do too. So, what's it's up? My, it's my it's my second Tommy favorite. Tommy loves it too. It's my second favorite Deep Purple album. Right, right after In Rock, I, I go with Machine Head. I put uh, that at number two. Well, uh, there you go, man. That is our review of Deep Purple's Machine Head. I heard Tommy liked it. Yeah, Tommy loves it. Uh, or either that or he wants some kitty treats. No, no. When he heard me saying rock was the best, he said, I agree. <laughs> and he's looking at me now like, put some pants on, Dad. Yeah, well, yeah, that, Tommy don't bother me. It's that other cat that was staring at me while yeah. I was asleep. Yeah, that, that one I did. What was the name of that one? That's Princess. Yeah, Princess freaked me out, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laying it, it, in bed, sticky. I just opened my eyes, and this shit's staring right at me. I was like, oh my god, it's gonna go for my jugular. Oh, god. Oh, Tommy just jumped up here. He, he wants... Tommy, you got something to say on the mic? Now he's all bashful. Um, but this was released March 25th, 1972, and uh, let's see, this is... Wow! surprised by this but only double platinum wow that's crazy but uh you know another thing you got to think of is this is before the era where they really counted that shit that much you know definitely before the sand sound scan era so i'm sure it sold more than that but it's twice gold in france gold in italy gold in japan gold in the united kingdom and double platinum in the u.s uh, wow, I thought it'd be more than that, though. Uh, but, yeah, you know what? Uh, it's definitely more than that. Are you kidding me? We didn't have SoundScan back then. Yeah, it, you know, it, 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 it became two million after SoundScan, is what you're saying? 
Because if you think about it, after SoundScan, they weren't really that popular. You know, a lot of people tend to forget, not only Deep Purple, but Grand Funk. Those two bands were huge. Well, Grand Grand Funk is a rare case, though, where they sold way more concert tickets than albums. Yeah, they they sold out Shea Stadium. Yeah, they, they... Hey, there's Tommy. Uh, they beat the Beatles record for attendance. Uh, Grand Funk did. But the records, while they sold good, you know, they weren't constant sellers. They were sellers of the time when they came out. And then it's just kind of like people forgot. But, man, yeah, a live show at Grand Funk in the early 70s was, you know, like a fucking mini Woodstock. You know? Uh, I miss that time. And, you know, Deep Purple had their own plane. Oh, yeah. They, they were fucking huge. I mean, I'm talking like they were on top of the charts. And, you know, a lot of people tend to, you know, not remember. I mean, Grand Funk is even a bigger, because Grand Funk is all but forgotten now. Right. You, know, you, you only know like three songs on the radio. I'm your captain and right. American Band. And what's the other one? Uh, 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 some uh, some kind of. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And they're great live. I, I've seen them like four times with Bruce Kulick. They're, always, local, playing, local they're always playing free down here. Right. You know? I always go see... I saw Grand Funk uh, like two years ago, 4th of July, on the beach for free. It's fucking awesome. Nice. They're, they're a fun band. They really are. Oh, yeah. I dig them. But... Uh, it's only the drummer left. No, but, no, no. It's uh, the drummer and... It's everybody. Well, I mean, they were originally a three-piece, then they expanded into a four-piece. Uh, but it's the drummer and the bass player. And the drummer is the one that sang "American Band." Right, right. But the main songwriter was the guitar player who Mark found Farner. Yeah, who found Jesus Christ and left the band. Then he came back for a while, and Christ told him to leave. That was a good album. I think it was called Grand Funk Lives, early '80s. That reunion. Yeah. Album. That yeah. was a good album. Yeah. How do you get that again? Uh, yeah. Uh, Mr. X can send that to you. All right. Do it. I haven't heard it. And they had a good song on the heavy metal soundtrack, too. Uh, man, that's the soundtrack I don't listen to much. Yeah. Not a fan. Oh, yeah, I forgot. You're not a fan of the movie either. No, not really, dude. And yeah. I bought it on Blu ray because I'm a nut. <laughs> what a masochist. I saw it in the theater. I won tickets on the radio to see Heavy Metal. Nice. I don't know. I'm just not an anime guy. I never was. Okay. You know? I've never been an uh, animation dude. You know, unless it's, uh, you know, the Flintstones. <laughs> I was just going to say that. Oh, you know, like the Flintstones? <laughs> uh, you know, there's an episode of the Flintstones in Hialeah. Did you know this? No. There's an episode where the Fred Flintstones uh, opening a, a photo album showing... His friends, everything. He goes, here, we are at the Hialeah horse track. I was like, holy <laughs> shit! <laughs> the Flintstone in Hialeah! <laughs> that was wild, man. Hialeah horse track is very historic. I don't know if you know this. No. Uh, very uh, predominant in the movie Champ. Oh, with uh, Ricky Schroeder and John Boyd? W- wake up, Champ! Wake up! Wake up, Champ! Wake up, Champ! <laughs> yeah, they, they, they're at the Hialeah horse track a lot of that movie. Oh, okay. I haven't seen that since it came out, but I remember it made me cry as a little kid. The scene where uh, Al Pacino's going, uh, Fly Pelican Fly, that's the Highly Orca. Oh, okay. watch it on TV. Awesome. Still there. All right, well, there we go. Uh, and thank you to William J. Ortiz for, for picking this one. Yeah, and, he, and he awesome. said, uh, in his message, he goes, 
You don't have to talk about smoke on the water if you don't want to. But uh, how could you not? <laughs> we're not we're not a guitar store, bro. Yeah. The only thing we sell are smiles. Yes. <laughs> and math. Crack a math if you live near us. <laughs> All right. Well, now it's time to go into pick of the week. Ralph, do you have a pick of the week? I sure don't. Okay. Well, that's okay, because I have two. Uh, one is an album, and one is a movie. Uh, the album is one I talked about earlier in this episode, uh, something I think a lot of people should check out if they haven't, and that is uh, the final studio of Deep Purple and, uh, you know, before they went on a hiatus, which is Come Taste the Band. Uh, by that point, you know, the only ones from the classic lineup were John Lord and Ian Pace. But you had Glenn Hughes, David Coverdale, and American guitar player Tommy Boland. And, wow, it's just, just to me, it's mind-blowing. Uh, so many good songs on there, but, you know, for people to think like, oh, you can't replace Richie Blackmore. Listen to the guitar solo on Dealer alone. Uh, you know, I think should blow your fucking mind. And uh, like I said, you can get that two-album version that has the original remastered and uh, the Kevin Shirley remix. I think they're both great. They're different, uh, but both fantastic. Some great shit on there. Check out Deep Purple, Come Taste the Band. That is my audio pick. And my other pick of the week is one of my favorite movies of the 80s, just got re-released on Blu-ray. Uh, you know, you know when DVD first took over for VHS, you know, I, I just had this huge fear that so many movies I loved would never end up on Blu-ray, I mean, on DVD. And a lot of them did. And then, you know, when Blu-ray started taking over, I'm like, oh, they'll never put that out on Blu-ray. And this one they finally did. And I believe the year of this release was 1982? Maybe ninety, maybe eighty-three, but it's National Lampoon's Class Reunion, and holy fuck, do I love this movie! Uh, you know, if you love shit like Animal House and stuff like that, it's that same type of humor. It's about a, a class reunion at Lizzie Borden High, and uh, just a funny cast of characters who are getting stalked by a former classmate who's now a serial killer knocking off one by one and to me it's a total lost masterpiece when it came out in theaters it totally bombed and they kept advertising it as the next animal house they thought it was going to you know do that kind of business and it just kind of came and went and I don't get it because I think it's absolutely hilarious uh, uh, Garrett Graham's in it who you know Rhino Ralph knows from uh, Phantom of the Paradise Phantom of the Paradise. He's fan yeah, he's fantastic in it. Uh, Anthony Kiedis's father, Blackie Dammit, uh, is is the serial killer, and he's hilarious in it. Uh, a lot of people might also know him. He had a small part in Lethal Weapon, uh, and uh, the guy who played Flounder is in it. Uh, Stephen First, and, and I mean it's just. Have you ever seen it, Ralph? No. I'm going to have to rent that on Netflix. Oh, I don't think it's on Netflix. 
Like I said, they I can't. Have everything, man. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if they do, if they do get it. It's like, but now you can get it on Blu-ray. Unfortunately, it's kind of pricey for a Blu-ray, man. I mean, it's like twenty-two or twenty-three bucks, which I think is you know in this day and age, man, Blu-ray should be around ten bucks. But yeah. I'm, I'm a cheap fuck. Uh, it will be. In, it will be. Give it a little time because everybody's yeah. going, you know, Hulu these days. Everybody likes streaming more than actual right. physical copies. Right. But you know, you can't get this one on Voodoo. I don't know if it's. I, I doubt it's on Netflix. But uh, you know, a lot of these, the ones, you know, it's no different than what we were talking about flipping fucking record store day shit. They put out these lesser known out, uh, movies because they know the hardcores will pay this much for it. You know. Uh, but yeah, check it out. National Lampoon's Class Reunion. That and Deep Purple Come Taste the Band are my picks of the week. So what you got, Ralph? Alright, my pick of the week is a movie too. I'm gonna go with a movie. A 70's movie. Uh, Foul Play with Chevy Chase and Goldie Hawn. Oh, love it. That movie is so good. And it's aged so well. I mean, it does have that 70's feel to it, but... The Dwarf. The, oh yeah, Fear the Dwarf. My favorite line? That was one tough mama. <laughs> yeah. Know, after that scene with Burgess, Burgess Meredith. Meredith. Yeah. Burgess Meredith ruled. He ruled. Oh. And uh, it's just a great movie. It's it's a suspense. The albino, uh, you know, and, and Chevy Chase being clueless. And you know, he, was, he was still a little bumbling, but, you know, he turned out to be the hero. But uh, it's just a great, well-done movie. And I oh. love the ending with the opera. And it was uh, Goldie Hawn, a fine piece of AIDS. Man, did I have a crush on that woman? Oh. And and this was, you know, in the in the in the time when all I did was go to movies. Right. And I remember paying several times to see that movie. Oh, and that, it was a huge hit when it came. It out. was, it was, and it's but, like one of the coolest movie posters too. Oh yeah, gun shooting out near the crotch. Yeah, and, and, and Chevy Chase. I mean, for people who don't remember, he was the standout star of. Uh, you know the original cast of Saturday Night Live. Uh, he only did the first season and a handful of episodes on the second because he got so popular. You know he was considered a dreamboat back then. Yeah. You know, you know, and and he was funny. I mean, everybody knows him now as a legendary prick, but uh, and you not know, funny. <laughs> yeah, but back then, man, uh, it was a big thing when he when he left Saturday Night Live, and that was his first like big blockbuster movie. Yeah, well, his first starring role. Too. Yeah. He was in, like, you know, what, Groove Tube and shit like Groove that? Groove Tube, yeah. Which is another great one. Yeah. I mean, Still the, be the, the best is... Because uh, that's a great movie, yeah. But Tunnel Vision. You ever seen that one? Yeah. I, uh, after we talked about this last time, I oh, downloaded okay. Tunnel Vision and, and Groove Tube. The most politically incorrect thing you'll ever see in your life. Uh, <laughs> Ramon and Sonia, the spoof yeah. of the sitcom. Right. Where the father's making out with the daughter, the mother's a hooker, wh who's Lorraine Newman, right. and the, and and the, and the son is gay. Right. Yeah, uh, he wouldn't hurt a fly unless it's open. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, it, it was, it was, it was funny. I laughed at both of them, but I, th I think I was spoiled by years and years of Kentucky Fried Movie. Well, Kentucky Fried Movie like took it to a whole new level. I think. Right. I could be wrong, but I think the Kentucky Fried Movie may be the last one released. I could yeah, be wrong, though. It was. It was. And that's a movie I saw in the theater. I'll never forget. And but, another one I loved uh, was by a lot of the same people. I don't know if you ever saw it, but it was Amazon Women on the Moon. You know, I've heard of it. 
I, oh. What was the name of the movie where Cheech and Chong is in it and they're watching movies? You know that one? It came from Hollywood. Have yeah. you ever seen that one? Yeah, yeah, I, I saw that. Uh, I believe that was a National Lampoon, too. Yeah, I think uh, Ruler Radner was in that one. I think. Yeah, yeah, that one was like from 81. I remember seeing that on HBO in the early 80s. Yeah. But I, I don't think that's ever been released on DVD or Blu-ray. But foul play. Uh, not on Blu-ray still. I own the DVD and the Laserdisc. <laughs> Holy shit. You got the yeah, Laserdisc. Yeah, I on Laserdisc. Well, you know, there's this uh, place there. It's like a, kind of like a flea market type place where they were selling Laserdiscs for two bucks. And I bought, dude, I bought a handful. And do you I have saw, a Laserdisc player? Yes. Oh, wow. And it still yeah, works. Willie gave it to me. Yeah, because I never played it. Uh, now <laughs> and then. Because, you know, everything I have on Laserdisc, I have... On right. DVD, except for Silver Streak, I have that on Laserdisc. Oh, sweet! I love Silver Streak. Yeah, that, that's the one. I, that's the one I always put on uh, Silver Streak. But yeah, I, but foul play, and it's a very also special movie in my youth, and uh, I just love it. I thought it was uh, funny, and it was a good storyline. It was a suspenseful com- comedy, and I highly recommend it. And I watched it like maybe three, four months ago, and it held up. It's still really funny, you know, especially the fight scene. Oh, and. Uh, and the midget selling Bibles. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that scene when she fell out the window. Yeah. In the trash can. Holy yeah. fuck is that comedy. Billy Barty. Yeah, Billy, Billy Barty. Yeah. Awesome. All right. There you go. All right. Well, now it's time to go into the fan of the week. And uh, fan of the week is the guy who paid for this one, William J. Ortiz. And, uh, man, he's been around for a while now. And uh, so glad he contributed to the Rock and Pod Expo. I mean, all you guys, you know, you made this shit happen. And, uh, you know, I, I think he took an interesting turn on this one because, you know, a lot of people try to go as obscure as they can with their picks, and I get that. And he was like, fuck it, man. Just do a fucking classic. And uh, I respect that as well, man, because this is one we definitely would have had to do sooner or later but you know William I'm glad we did it for you you contribute a lot to the page you've been around for a long time thank you brother man we thank you so much great pick bro hell yeah man an honor to do this one for you nice all right well let's go to the pugs do it greetings troubled nation and welcome to the troubled men podcast I'm Renee Komen, and every week I sit down with my co-host Manny Chevrolet in New Orleans' notorious ring room to discuss good times and air grievances over cocktails. You're no, here. I'm here for the free drinks. You're here for the free drinks. <laughs> yes. We are the troubled men for troubled times. Uh, yeah, it was all right. Those poppers worked. <laughs> this is the Troubled Men Podcast. Join us, won't you? Yeah, come for the oysters, stay for the white privilege. Find us on Apple Podcasts and all social media. Listen to The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Go to all the W's, Gully, G-U-L-L-Y-A-N-D-J-O-A dot U-K. 8 p.m. U-K time, 3 p.m. Eastern. The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Listen to it. Don't be a cunt. Hey, rock music fans. This is Terrence Reardon of the Terrence Reardon and Friends Audiovisual Podcast. Join yours truly as I look every week at a different classic rock or metal album that had a major impact on my life and i'm usually joined by a friend or two or ten and we talk about nothing but great classic rock and metal and there's no country or sammy hagar or rap on the fucking show that shit is frowned upon with yours truly so if you want a great classic rock audiovisual podcast tune on in to the terrence reardon and friends audiovisual podcast new episodes every monday exclusively 
on YouTube. Are you ready for the hottest new podcast out there? Check out the Vieira Vault, featuring none other than Dr. Fuck Ralph Vieira. You will hear personal stories and personal songs from the vault. There ain't nothing else like it. The one, the only, the original Vieira Vault. On Podbean, Stitcher.com, and iTunes. Spreaker. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Tired of your long commute and boring work day? Well, join Brian Davis and his gang of movie buffs as they talk about a different movie subject every week on Damn Good Movie Memories. We discuss movie themes like our favorite movie villains, favorite soundtracks, and worst movie remakes, and much more. Check us out on iTunes and Podbean at damngoodmoviememories.podbean.com. From New York. Hey, 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 hey! What up, bangers? From North Carolina. Skitter pal, meow meow. This is Bushy. And the Mountain. Tune in every week for your listening pleasure only on the plug with Bushy and the Mountain Man. You can find us on Podbean and iTunes. Thank you very much. Hey everybody, I'm Aaron. And I'm Chris. And we're from the Decibel Geek Podcast. And if you love this... Then you'll love us. That's right. Brand new episode every single Monday. You can find us on iTunes and at DecibelGeek.com. And the best thing is, it's rock and roll and it's always free. This is Ian Wadley, Wadzilla from Wadzilla's World. Do you want to hear the greatest, most eclectic show on the internet? Show up for the best in hard rock, heavy metal, classic rock, funk, soul, and anything else I deem necessary. Wadzilla World, only on Cranium Radio, 10 a.m. Central Standard Time to 3 p.m. Central Standard Time. Be here or be a bitch. Hey there, it's Dr. Fuck giving you the Dr. Fuck Show ID. That's right, the Dr. Fuck Show. Aaron here every Thursday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Come in and join the chat room. It's always a great, crazy time. That's right, I've been doing this for years on that metal station, and you will love it. Nobody hates the Dr. Fuck Show. And what I mean by that is if you hate the Dr. Fuck Show, you're a nobody. All right. Well, if you enjoyed this very deep episode, come back next week when once again it's a you paid for, you got it. And uh, who knows? Maybe we might have a special guest. Maybe we'll get Richie Blackmore. That would be fun because he would just shit on whatever album it is. You know? I'd be the whole time episode just asking, how good is that head, bro? <laughs> I mean, how good does that girl give head? But this, this, this would only be if its mother-in-law allows it. Uh, did she take facials, dude? I gotta know. The mother-in-law or his wife? Who cares? <laughs> as long as you come on somebody's face. Yeah. yeah. That's next week on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast.